Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff and Drexel Show, February 12th, 2013, broadcasting from a secret location, not my usual location. Hopefully the internet here will be okay. In fact, hopefully it'll be better than the usual location I'm at, because maybe the show won't crash 12 times like it did last week. That was pretty brutal. But I'm hoping for better things this week. Uh, Some of you might be wondering, where is Drexel? He's not here. Is he not going to be on the show? I don't know. I could not reach him today. I will tell you guys this. He is very disheartened over what happened with the JSIP scam. And uh, that was the main reason he disappeared at the beginning of the year. He didn't know it was as far-reaching as it turned out to be. He didn't have any proof then, but he was already suspecting that things may be going the wrong way. And uh, Brandon is somebody who gets frustrated with situations pretty easily. And when he gets frustrated, uh, his first inclination is to go away if it's something he doesn't have to be doing, if it's something that he's doing for fun and it's not fun anymore. Uh, Some people have more tolerance for things like that. But Brandon's attitude when things like this happen that are very stressful and that uh, have the potential to make him look bad even when he didn't really do anything wrong um, is to just kind of withdraw because this isn't his job. He's not making money from it. This is something he does as a hobby, is for fun. And if it becomes something that's no longer fun but a big source of stress, uh, he tends to go away. I'm a little bit different in that uh, I I weather these storms. And and while these forums sometimes can be unpleasant for me as well, such as uh, two years ago when I had the uh, public blow-up involving the last site I was involved with, um, my attitude is more, hey, I've put this much time and energy into this. I don't want to just give up on it. I don't want to walk away. I'm just going to try to weather the whole thing. So it's just different personality types. And uh, Brandon, when he has these things occur, just kind of wants to withdraw from everything. Now, the one thing he's not going to be withdrawing from will be his cooperation, and more than cooperation, his uh, almost spearheading of the effort to bring JSIP to justice. So he's definitely not backing away from that and definitely wants to see JSIP in jail for what he did. So he will be going full force on that. I've been in frequent communication with him. Uh, A few days ago he was saying, though, that he's kind of uh, getting close to walking away from everything but doing that. So I I didn't specifically ask him if he meant this radio show and this week's radio show. But uh, when I tried to reach him today, uh, he was unreachable. I think he might be sleeping or out somewhere. So there's a decent chance he won't be here tonight, but uh, he might be also. He didn't explicitly say he won't be on radio. So that's that's the story with him. That's where he is or isn't right now. Um, we have a lot on the agenda tonight, even if it's just me and uh, whoever feels like calling in. Uh, a lot of things to do tonight. And uh, again, if you're looking for a show with a lot of humor, you're probably not going to find that this week. And... I know some people listen to this show because they want to laugh. A lot of people like the crazy characters like Colonel Fabersham and Chico Loco and Alvin Finkelstein and the prank calls and stuff like that. And 
That's not gone from this show. It's just there's been so much to do the last few weeks with uh, more serious topics that we just haven't had time for that stuff. This is called Poker Fraud Alert Radio for a reason. It's because it's just to discuss frauds, scams, scandals that happen in the poker community. And that's priority number one. Priority number two is all the crazy and wacky stuff we have here and the weird characters and all that. So uh, those will be part of the show again, even if Brandon never comes back. But uh, last week and this week as well is going to be you know, more of a serious show. Uh, before I go on further, I want to tell you about a free roll tonight, just like we have every week on Poker Fraud Alert Radio. We have given away more money in free rolls than any other poker podcast since we began broadcasting in May of 2012. No other poker podcast has even come close to the total amount of money we've given away. We're doing it again this week. A $53 free roll. This is real money. This is not money on lock poker that you're going to have trouble getting off the site. This is not money that uh, you may or may not be able to cash out. This is money you'll just get right into your PayPal or a check I'll send you. Something like that. There's a lot of ways you'll get paid, but you will get paid. $53 free roll. It's on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. It's at 7.40 Pacific Time, which is in 25 minutes. It is No Limit Hold'em. It is totally free to buy in. You do need an account on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. You can find that poker room near the top of the screen on PokerFraudAlert.com. First prize will be $20. Second prize, 13 Third prize, 8 Fourth prize, 7 five, Fifth place is $5.00 total $53 prize pool. Thank you to the generosity of Bad Guy 23 who gave $16, Mr. Green Thumb who gave $7, Hurdle King who gave $5, and an anonymous contributor who at the end of January sent me $25 that is being used for this free roll. So very much appreciate that and everybody else who has donated and will donate in the future to these free rolls. All this money has been donated. It has not come from Poker Fraud Alert. Or when I say Poker Fraud Alert, I mean it hasn't come from me. I'm the only owner of Poker Fraud Alert. It has, I have not been putting up this money. The thousands of dollars we've given away has come from our users. And I really appreciate that our users like the community so much that they donate every week to these free rolls and, and people can have fun during the radio show. Uh, there is no late registration, so make sure to get registered by 740. You do need an account on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. If you want to qualify for the free money, though, you had to have had a registered account on Poker Fraud Alert by May 21st, 2012. As long as you've registered an account by that date, that's all you need to do. If you do not have a registered account that is dated May 21st or before, you need to PM me and ask me for permission to qualify for the free money tonight and all other nights. You need to PM me before the free roll takes place. Otherwise, I will not qualify you for this week no matter what. And... If you PM me, you need to tell me how long you've been listening, if you've been listening to previous sites I've been involved with, uh, what you've enjoyed about the radio shows either here or the other site I was involved with, or if you've been on the forum and stuff you've witnessed on the forum over the last few years. I just want to make sure you didn't just show up for the free roll. I want to make sure you've been at least lurking on the site and are aware of everything here, at least for a few weeks, before giving you access to the free roll. I just don't want people appearing to try to get the free money because there are communities that actually discuss where free rolls are and how to get money by pretending you're part of that community so you got to convince me you're really part of it 
if I would recognize your screen name from this or another site I was part of in the past, that's fine too. I'll just you know just PM me and I'll immediately give you the permission to win the free money. So that's what you have to do. And once I give you permission, you have it for life. You don't have to do it every week or anything. So it's a 740 tonight, $53 free roll. Okay, let me give you the agenda tonight. I'm going to give you an update on the John Jacob Sepulveda scam. We talked for three hours about it last week. It will not be a three-hour discussion this week. It'll be a short discussion this week. Uh, there's a little bit of an update to it. And I have a suggestion on how some people can get their money back, maybe. So we'll talk about that tonight. Travis McCarr has released four more tapes to Donk Down that were posted. I'm going to play those, and I'm going to give you my take on what was recorded and what all that meant. Some of you may remember we had a surprise interview last week with Jack Bates, who was one of the original UB programmers. He just called in out of nowhere. And I was kind of not really prepared for the interview because I didn't know he was going to call in. And he called in after the show had already been going for about three hours. So I was also kind of tired. He's going to be coming on for a follow-up interview tonight. So we'll be talking to him. And I will have him come on after I play the tapes. And hopefully he either has heard them for or will hear them tonight on the show. And I can ask him for his take on some of these things as well. We have another user who allegedly got scammed by a sports book. And unlike the situation that we had previously with Bad Guy 23 and Bovada, where some people are doubtful whether Bad Guy really got scammed or if he got caught trying to scam them and was re-scammed, uh, this one does not leave much doubt that the user in question was getting screwed and still is getting screwed. This is Natural Born Hustler, who's been a member of our community for a while, Involving the site Bet Online, a sports book that really does seem to be screwing him and not letting him cash out. We will call him and get the information about that. If you don't have time to listen to that whole thing, the very short answer I can give you to that whole situation is do not deposit money on Bet Online. They're very shady. But we'll hear from Natural Born Hustler about exactly what's going on. Uh, do you guys remember the ISPT? Um, international something poker tour uh, International Stadium Poker Tour uh, It's a stadium poker event That was planned in uh, June of 2012 To take place in June of 2013 Supposedly 30,000 people Playing in a stadium in England Wembley Stadium They're supposed to all be sitting on their laptops Playing a live tournament all together In the seats, in the bleachers there In uh uh, Wembley Stadium. That was the plan. It's not exactly going as planned. Here we are in February, and the whole thing is a gigantic mess and a fail. I'll talk about that. It, it, I mean, to tell you that they fell short of their goal would be a tremendous understatement. Speaking of the ISPT, Lock Poker has been heavily pr- promoting it, but uh, that's the least of their problems. They're, they've got even more issues going on. They are now segregating their games above one two no limit from the rest of their network. Segregating means certain games that are supposed to be network-wide are no longer network-wide. You can only play these games, and of course the higher limit ones I'm talking about, on lock poker against other people on lock poker. This is a very, very bad sign. I will tell you why when we get to that segment. We also might have a call from Ken Scaler. You never know. 
and I can't call him. He calls from payphone, so if he does call, we will have to drop everything to take those calls, unless there's something really important going on. So that's the agenda tonight. And uh, the phone number, if anybody wants to call in, 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. Make sure to show your caller ID when you call in. Otherwise, you may just get a busy signal, even if the phone's not busy. 775-FRAUD-55. Or if you don't want to call that 775 number, you can call our mountaintop number. There's a mountain sitting above Las Vegas called Mount Charleston. It's got snow on it. People can ski on it. We have a little phone that sits on the top of the mountain, an old 70s rotary phone that forwards over to this show. Mount Charleston number is 702-430-1808. That's 702-430-1808. If you want to call the Mount Charleston number, you have to show you the caller ID, though, even though it's an old 70s phone. It knows if you're not showing your caller ID, and it will not let you through. So those are the phone numbers. If you want to play our free roll, make sure you get in there before 740. It is 722 right now. Let me jump right into the JSIP situation. A few new things have come out regarding JSIP. Uh, first of all, and I'm not even sure if I'm supposed to reveal this, but what the hell. Uh, since Brandon's not here, I will reveal it anyway. Brandon was in a little bit of contact with JSIP. Brandon actually reached him on the phone a number of days ago and tried to talk him into paying everything back. Now, you may say, what? How can JSIP pay anyone back if he's flat broke? If this, if this guy was begging for 16 bucks at one point from China Maniac, how could he have the five-figure sum to pay back the community and the 22Q charity? For you know what he stole, well, Jacob told a story that his father is unaware that he gambles and is really unaware of everything, and that he's hid this from his father. But that it has become time for Jacob to come forward and tell the truth about everything to his father, and that his father's a successful man. I don't know how much money he's supposed to have, but he's supposed to be successful, and that Jacob was going to go to him with an appeal, pretty much, "Dad, I screwed up. Dad, I'm in trouble." Remember that song, Dad, I'm in Jail? It's kind of like that, except he's not in jail yet. He will be soon, though. But uh, he was going to go to his dad and say, Dad, I, I will be in jail if you don't help me here. So please, Dad, give me the money that I scam from people so I can pay it all back. And, and of course, that wouldn't guarantee he wouldn't go to jail anyway. But uh, Brandon made an appeal for him to make this right and, and for him to speak to his father. And th- this was actually Jacob's idea. That he was saying, I don't have the money, but uh, maybe my dad can give it to me. Now, I definitely did not want Jacob scamming other people to pay the money back. I don't mind if he gets it from a family member, as long as the family member knows what the true situation is. Like, we don't want Jacob going to his dad saying, oh man, dad, my daughter's so sick and she doesn't have health insurance. Please, please. Give me the money so so your granddaughter can can have health care, can can have her her illness cured. I, I wouldn't want that. I wouldn't want even his parents tricked into paying us back. I don't want anyone tricked or scammed into paying us or the Twenty Two Q Foundation back. We don't want Peter to be robbed to pay Paul unless that Peter is Peter DC. Then it's okay to rob him. But uh, one of the requirements that Brandon told Jacep about the whole father thing, was that the father would have to pay a third party. It was actually going to be me. 
and that his father, in the process of paying, would be made aware of exactly what he's paying for. That he wouldn't just be giving the money to JSIP to redistribute, which of course would be a disaster because we'd never get it. But even if it was sent to me, that it wouldn't just be like, I would get the money. It would be that his father would also be informed and directed to this thread and be sure he understood what he's paying for here. And if he's still willing to pay at that point, then that's between a father and son. However, guess what? Despite Jacep claiming that uh, Big Daddy Sep was going to probably bail him out of this situation, that did not happen. Jacep promised to contact Brandon and let him know either way. He did not contact Brandon. Instead, he sent an email to Tim Bird, you know, the guy, the childhood friend who's known him all his life, who he borrowed tons of money from, as much of a, as 100K over the years. He didn't even have the decency to call Tim Bird. He emailed Tim Bird and said, I was attempting to get the money from my father to pay this whole thing back. I was unable to secure those funds. That's not the exact wording, but that's pretty much what he said. A very short email saying, I didn't get the money. Sorry. So, that's pretty much it. Um, I don't know if he really contacted his father. I don't know if the story about his father is true. I don't know if he even talks to his father. I don't know if his father really is aware of this stuff, or if he's not. I, I don't know. You never know, because this guy lies so much. He just lies and lies and lies. He lies to cover other lies. He sometimes lies pointlessly when you can't even figure out why he's telling a particular lie. Sometimes the lies seem to have no purpose. This guy, his whole life is a lie. Everything he does, everything he says, is a lie. His, his entire existence is lying to one person or another, and I think he's gotten so used to that that he has a hard time ever telling the truth. So you never know. But what I can tell you is that he has no money, and he has nobody who will give him money at this point. So I think it's pretty safe to say, even though I believe everyone's assuming that at this point, I think it's pretty safe to say that JSIP is not going to be paying anyone. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, by the way, go listen to last week's show. I'm not going to recap everything, because it was a three-hour topic last week, and it's a, 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 a thread that's like 138 pages right now on the Flying Stupidity Forum of Poker Fraud Alert. I'm not going to be... Recapping that on this show I'm going to be giving new information If you want the recap Go to the previous week's show And listen in the archives But I'll tell you what new things have been found First of all I was doing some digging And uh, you know I played at Commerce last week And while I was at Commerce I was doing some research On my phone in between hands And I found something about Jacob that he has scammed another community. Not just the poker community. He scammed the Northeast MMA community. Like a local MMA community. Uh, He ran scams on them. He even scammed people out of play money. There was like a a play money site. Not a poker site, but like something where you bet on MMA fighters. I didn't even follow exactly what it was. But he, he scammed people out of like 50k play money over there. That's how much of a scammer this guy is. He doesn't just scam real money. He scams play money. But, uh... He had some thing going on with him involving uh, this company that, that manufactures T-shirts and hats and other things for for people in the local MMA over there and, and trying to set up uh, MMA tournaments. And um, 
suffice to say, a number of people got scammed there. And suffice to say, a lot of his excuses after the scams were very similar in you know, the way he would explain things and the excuses he would offer up to what occurred over here, which is a very bad sign because those people were never made whole. And this was back in 2010. I'm actually surprised because if you Googled John Sepulveda, you actually would find this stuff. Or Johnny Sepp, you'd actually find this stuff. So I'm just surprised nobody Googled him and went a few pages into Google. I didn't find these things through major research. I, I found these things by going through Google and scrolling through like seven pages of Google and finding this MMA stuff right there. I mean, this could have been exposed a long time ago. Just nobody bothered to do it, I guess because nobody had much of a, suspe- a uh, reason to suspect anything with him. And the ones that did, people like Forbet, didn't bother to Google him. So this happened in 2010, and I think that by itself is a very bad sign for anyone getting paid back because it seems like his M.O. is to scam people and to disappear and offer some terrible excuses that sound very sincere but aren't. So let me go find this post here that I made about this uh, MMA thing. Sorry for not having that up here. By the way, I'm, I'm trying to read the chat, and I'm trying to do a few things at once here, but of course, when I'm the only one doing the show, it can be on the slow side as far as being able to track everything and read everything and find things and read the chat. So I apologize if I miss anything in the chat, but I'll try to scan it every so often. I had forgotten about the uh, MMA post that I wanted to read. That's why I did not have that prepared. I apologize for that. But I am trying to come up with that. Um, But anyway, Jacep did uh, scam the MMA. I don't know why I'm having such trouble finding my own post here. Before I get to that, let me talk about uh, Blind Squirrel a little bit. Uh, Blind Squirrel was the company that sponsored Filthy Limper. There was some suspicion that uh, Blind Squirrel actually was involved with Jacep, that they were actually not just a sponsor, but they were some sort of partner, and that this guy was complicit in ripping people off and that maybe Blind Squirrel didn't even pay Jacep anything but that they were just in on a scam together and pretending to be sponsors. The reason this was suspected is because the owner of Blind Squirrel is named Anthony. Uh, he's gone missing. He has not answered anybody or at least had not answered anybody when they questioned him about Jacep recently and he disconnected his cell phones and wasn't answering his email and people were very, very concerned that maybe this Anthony was involved especially because there was a person named Anthony involved with the previous JSIP scam on the MMA boards. And they thought, you know, what's the chances that an Anthony involving T-shirt companies, there could be two Anthonys. Now, there are a lot of Anthonys up in that area where he lives in Rhode Island. And that's a common name, especially out there. But uh, people were suspecting that the blind squirrel guy was involved in some way. Uh, he has since made a statement through Pikachar that, no, he is actually not guilty of this and that he will be making a statement shortly, he claims on PFA, that in reality he's actually innocent, and he was just a sponsor. 
and everything else is a coincidence, and that he's not the same Anthony that was involved in the MMA stuff. Uh, that may, might be true because Tim Bird, who has not lied about anything to our knowledge, has verified to Brandon that he was the one who introduced Anthony to Jacep in 2012. So we will see about that. I'm still searching for my own post here. Um, it's a lot harder to find than I thought. But, uh, yeah, I think that uh, it's very unlikely that Jason will ever make this right. So, it's time to go into the mode of reporting Jacep for you know, what he did to the police. And Brandon is in the process of doing this. Uh, Brandon will be traveling to Rhode Island where you actually have to make reports in person. You can't just make on the phone uh, reports. So he's going to be going there and China Maniac and some other people have volunteered that they are actually going to uh, really go to the state police in Rhode Island where they need to go and bring all the information to them and basically hand them everything that they need to uh, go after him and hopefully put him in prison and maybe even force him to get a job and pay restitution. So uh, I just found my post here. And uh, this was something I posted on the Flying Stupidity Forum in the Big Jacep thread on February 7th, and is on page 112 of the thread. On August 6, 2010, John Sepulveda posted the following on the MMA board, called northeastmma.net. Firstly, a very serious and very severe set of personal circumstances has come up in my life that has caused me to opt out of Cage Titans and let Mike Polvere proceed without me. That was somebody who he was uh, involved with in this Cage Titans project, something like an MMA, MMA tournament over there. There are a lot of things I want to say, but I'm in a fair amount of pain while typing this, so I will just say this. And By the way, notice he always gets sick or injured when he's scamming people. It's always the go-to story for him. I hope to return to local MMA by the end of the year with some luck. Also, Butcher Shop Outstanding Sponsorships, and Butcher Shop is the name of the clothing company that he was talking about, will be taking care of ASAP, and I will be discontinuing the sponsorships for my clothing company. I wish everyone out there lots of luck and hope to see you all at some point in the future. And then somebody uh, accused him of being a scammer, so he wrote back this. I don't know you. I certainly don't owe you anything, but fine, let's do it. Now, now, keep in mind this is the same indignance that Jacep would always display to people who questioned him. He even displayed this to me when I allowed people to question him on my forum. In late May, I began urinating blood. This is in 2010, by the way. At first, I ignored it because some friends had mentioned a similar problem, and I figured it would pass. Shortly thereafter, it became worse, so I went to my doctor. Some samples were taken and some tests were done. Then I went back. Some more samples were taken. Some more tests were done. And then finally, one very painful test was done. Don't you feel bad for him? And in late June, my doctor diagnosed me with having prostate cancer. Poor Jacep. He had prostate cancer in 2010, according to him. We didn't hear about that over here, did we? Never heard that he's a prostate cancer survivor. 
I am self-employed and do not have health insurance. We've heard that before. He used to always say he doesn't have health insurance. After consulting with a doctor and hospital, I agreed to do ACH payments for my past due bills and to continue doing them throughout the treatment process or until I ran out of money and we would review more options. So now, now you're seeing the angle here. I have no health insurance. I got sick. I had to pay this out of my own pocket to, to treat myself. He, he gave something similar over here, except it wasn't prostate cancer. This week I began treatment. I put it off until after our first show. But let's move back to exactly what you're talking about. Now, before I move back here, I guarantee if Jason had prostate cancer in 2010, we would have heard about it. After all the radio shows he did, I mean, he sat there for 50 hours finding things to talk about, finding everything and anything to talk about for 50 hours on his Iron Man podcast. He did that filthy limper show for hours every week. Not once did he ever say he had prostate cancer. I think that's something that you would bring up if you want to open up about your life. And it's not like he wants it to be private because he brought it up to the MMA people. So this is just completely made up, obviously. He never had prostate cancer. Let me go on here. I've absolutely bounced some checks, never intentionally and never maliciously, and all have either been taken care of or are right now in the process of being taken care of. Well, checks are bouncing here, too. Brandon personally had two checks from JSIP, one for $1,000 on PayPal, that bounced. So that's also right along with his M.O. I have sponsored fighters to wear my clothing company's t-shirt numerous times and really without much upside to the clothing company, but I have a lot of respect for the fighters and I suppose a lot of fighters got word that I would help them out if they needed it. Now, I don't know many details about this, but I I have a feeling that he had these MMA fighters wear his clothing to uh, help blow up the brand and then probably didn't pay them. That's what my guess is that happened here with that. Uh, I have given, I've in the past given sponsorships to fighters so they could buy uh, a part to get their car on the road so they could make it to the gym, given sponsorship to fighters that they had the money to take a jiu-jitsu seminar that they could not afford, given sponsorships to a fighter that had a pregnant wife and needed help paying gym dues, fighters who couldn't afford licenses, medicals, rent, the list goes on and on. Th- this is so Jacob. He always wants to help people, supposedly, and then throws it in your face. Look at all I've done. Look at all I've done. Look, I, I gave $150 so you guys could get paid back after the Templar scammed people. The Templar was, was free-rolling me, but I'm giving the $150 of the fund anyway. He's always helping people out in small ways. So here he's bragging about all the ways he supposedly helped these fighters, which I guarantee never really happened. I have never once said no to a fighter that approached me needing help, even if I didn't feel the fighter was the best representation for my clothing brand. Who am I to judge? They work hard and deserve a break. What a saint. On a side note, nobody's ever come on and given any type of credit for any of these things with the exception of a sentence by Jason Franklin saying I put fighters first, but I never did anything for credit, just to help someone out who was down. So this is basically, people are saying he's a scammer and he's presenting what a great, generous guy he is. Just just to help people who are down, just to help fighters out who, who are having trouble, helping them pay their bills, help, helping them fix their car, because he's dedicated to the MMA community there in the in, the Northeast. Most of the fighters I sponsored let the sponsorship end with wearing a t-shirt to the cage, even though my contract specifically states that they have to wear it immediately following the conclusion of the fight, and they're required to spend a certain amount of time at my booth. Can you believe he's complaining about these fighters not not fulfilling their contracts when he's actually scamming everyone? I have never seen a picture of or seen a live fighter doing anything other than getting their hen-raised shirtless after a fight, with the exception of two fighters. 
I've also never seen any of these fighters go to the extent of being an ambassador for my brand, promoting the product and company on their social network, or sending someone to my website to buy something, etc. Again, I never made issue of it because I was just helping out. The exception to this would be uh, Fred Mandrika and, and Mike Polvier both went above and beyond to promote my brand. Others forgot to even br- bring my T-shirt or wore to the gym T-shirts or T-shirts uh, with their work information written in ketchup, etc. I don't know what that means, but he's trying to complain here again that everyone screwed him, that that nobody lived up to what they said they would do after he sponsored them. In late June, of course, this is 2010, early July, I was battling the depression of this news, the stress of running a first show and dealing with the fact that I had a 20-month-old daughter who needs a father. I did not pay close enough attention to my banking at that point and bounced a few checks. Now, there's, there's the payoff. The payoff is that he got prostate cancer, he has a 20-month-old daughter he's trying to take care of. Uh, he, he was putting together this first uh, show that I, I guess was uh, involving these fighters. And that, uh, yeah, he just didn't pay attention to his banking info and a few checks bounced. You know, I've actually had this happen before in real life where I don't have enough money in a certain account and write a check and it bounces even though I have plenty of money to pay the check. It just, you know, through carelessness it bounces. Well, he's saying that's what happened, basically. He had so much going on, some checks bounced. But no problem, he's taking care of it. Uh, I'm not going to read the rest of this, but uh, again, it's a bunch of excuses. And um, I'll just read the very end here. As of right now, I have four outstanding debts I was sent last night. Two will be sent today and the fourth on Tuesday. He's always saying like the check's in the mail. In a few days, we'll take care of this. Um, up until this exact moment, five people in the world had knowledge of this, my business partners and three people I consider close friends. Uh, those of you that know me personally and know Rachel and my daughter, Rachel's his, uh, baby mama, I request that you do not mention this to them as I plan on having the conversation in person tomorrow night. Now, I guess this is when he was still with the baby mama. She hates him at this point, this Rachel. Um, but... He always has the same M.O. Don't mention it to my family. Please don't contact my family. Let me handle it. Let me take care of things. I'm really starting to think that maybe his family really is somewhat in the dark with what's going on with him. And that's why that's always the plea he comes out with. Please don't tell my family. Please don't hurt the mother of my daughter with this information. Please don't tell my mom and dad. So as much as I don't support harassing family members of people who commit scams or do other bad things. You know, it's not it's not his parents' fault, probably, that they have such a screwed up son. It's not his brother's fault. But I, I do think that at this point they should know what's happening. So he doesn't scam them. So they understand what they're dealing with. So if he comes to them for money or comes to them with a story, that they understand what's really happening. I think they have a right to know. And that's not harassing them. And in fact, if one of my family members was involved with something like this, I would want to know. I would appreciate it if somebody called me and directed me to it. Um, I would not appreciate if like an enemy of one of my family members called up and just talked shit. That I would consider harassment. But if someone actually directed me to like a family member that was doing some bad things and helped me understand what was going on with them, I would actually thank them. I would not say, hey, asshole, why are you bothering me? Um, now he shouldn't have, you know, these family members shouldn't have like a hundred people calling them. It should be one designated person from the community to get a hold of these family members. But I really do think it's time to let his family know what's going on, uh, for their information, for their 
I shouldn't say physical safety, but the safety of their finances, their safety of uh, uh, dealing with him properly, and understanding what's really happening and making sure he's not scamming them with further lies, which I'm sure he's done before. Um, but the point of contact for any issues is me. With Butcher Shop, my partner Anthony and I dissolved our partnership on July 31st, and I would be the one who does all the final sponsorships pay- payouts. That's all I have to say about any of this. Good luck to all. Hope to see you soon. You can see the whole letter on page 112 of the thread. So uh, people went and researched and found other things that are all similar to this, but basically he ripped off the MMA community, even ripped off people on a Play Money site, out of Play Money. So I really do think it's time to get a hold of everybody who Jason could be scamming and let them know what's happening. I think there's a real hot button issue in this community with family members and of course I'm part of the reason for that because uh when I was part of the previous site I was involved with there were trolls there that were trying to post info about my family members even some troll posted my mom's phone number at one point uh in order to harass them to bother me because they saw you know calling me names Talking trash about me It didn't really affect me very much I said yeah, yeah, I'm used to that I'm used to trolling online I've been online forever So they, they used my family to try to get to me So that was a, a big hot button issue In many ways So people are very sensitive Like don't harass family members Just because someone else is, you know, Just because the person they're related to Is a piece of shit Don't harass someone's parents Just because Someone does something bad to you on the forum Don't bother their parents Go after them but in this case, we have someone who's a scammer who probably has or will scam them, and they should know. And I don't think anyone here wants money from his family members unless they know why they're really giving the money, unless they really know the circumstances. So I have no problem taking money from his dad or his brother if they're doing this to pay for their relative sins they're saying hey this guy is in our family I'm I'm going to take up for his mistakes I'm, I'm going to pay for my son's mistakes financially at least so here it is I feel bad and you know what I, I don't think my son Benjamin will ever grow up this way and he better not but if he did and I found that he scammed people out of you know fifteen, eighteen thousand dollars or whatever the actual number is. I haven't added it all together. I probably would pay the victims just out of feeling bad for them. Even if it wasn't my fault, even if it was all his fault. I would probably pay them. I wouldn't just say, Oh, well, he's an adult, deal with it. I, I probably would pay them if I could afford it. I don't think that'll ever be the case. I don't think my son will grow up like Jacep, but if he did for some reason, I would just had a feeling bad that my son did this, probably pay the victims. So maybe his father will, and there's no problem in accepting that money provided his dad really knows what he's paying for. So let's, uh, I, I want to bring up, uh, 
one other thing with bad guy before not bad guy. I'm reading the chat here. Sorry, bad guy. I want to bring up one other thing with Jacep before I end this little segment. And of course, I'll give updates. As I said earlier, Brandon is spearheading the process to figure out exactly what to do to uh, bring him to justice. He's already been in contact with uh, various detectives at uh, various police departments. But uh, what really needs to be done is uh, a an official complaint needs to be filed with the state police, who, by the way, are already aware of Jacep. They're all aware of this, but they can't officially investigate it until someone comes down to the state police and actually makes a complaint. But they're all ready to. And they're all... Uh, they seem like they're very much for doing a real investigation here and not just uh, saying, ah, well, you know, nothing we can do. It seems like a real investigation is going to take place. They just can't actually do it until they have the formal complaint submitted in person. Which I always thought was stupid. So if somebody scams you from out of state, you actually have to go to that state to file a complaint. <laughs> you're, you're out the, the airfare and the hotel and everything else it costs to go there and file a complaint about someone. I think that's ridiculous. You should always be able to file some kind of telephone complaint. I mean, it shouldn't be incumbent upon you to have to travel across the country. But in Rhode Island, it is. And many other states are like that, too. But it will be done. So Jacep will not be getting away with this. Trust me. There will be a strong effort by Brandon and many other parties to bring him to justice for what he did. And I know he's listening to this, and Johnny, I'm telling you, this is going to happen. I'm not just blowing smoke here. And I will assist with this effort in whatever way I can. But let me tell you about something else you can do. A lot of you paid JSIP through PayPal. If you did, like you gave him money on PayPal to deposit to that poker room, which was then used to scam people out of the 22Q money, because you remember, if you donated directly to 22Q through their own link, then they actually got the money. But the money Jason was holding, mostly through that stupid poker room that he had Belly Buster run for him during the 22Q Foundation, any of that money did not get to 22Q. Jason kept it and uh, apparently lost it or spent it. Well, if you donated to him through PayPal, if you sent him money through PayPal in any way, shape, or form, even if you sent him money through PayPal for something else. Basically, if you sent him money through PayPal, you can charge it back. You may not win the charge back, but our user handicapped me, got $500 back. He was he had the foresight, actually, to pay the fees when he sent uh, this $500 to JSEP. He sent it as a, quote, service. Uh, the way PayPal works is if you send money as a gift, there's no fees. But it's a lot harder to charge back then. If you try to charge through the automated system, it won't let you. If you call up, a lot of times they'll just say, sorry, it's a gift. But I'll explain how to get around that in a second. But uh, Handicap Me actually submitted as a service, paid the fees for it, and then when JSIP rolled him, submitted a complaint, and won. Now, he partially won because JSIP admitted he owed the money. 
probably and th- at this point Jason was still trying to lie to us and still trying to convince us he wasn't really a scammer. So at this point that was just as all this was breaking you know all, all this news was breaking. So at that time he wasn't as uppity about it. So since he admitted there that he owed the money back to handicap me, he actually won the chargeback and he got 500 bucks back. Now who'd the $500 come from? Well, it actually came from PayPal. Um so that makes it where Jason has a negative balance, like negative 500 at least on PayPal that he has to pay them before he can ever use their service again. And furthermore, they you know they may come after him with collections or whatever. But uh, PayPal gave it back to handicap me because the, quote, service he paid for did not get performed. Now, the good news is you can actually charge back on PayPal through... A gift, or not through a gift, if you receive, or if you sent money as a gift, you can actually charge back. You need to call them up. You need to tell them that this was a scam. And that even though it was a gift, that you were instructed to send the money as a gift to John Sepulveda as a charity scam. You need to explain that he was collecting money for a charity, you can tell them the 22Q Foundation, that in reality, he was collecting it for himself. In reality, he sent nothing to the 22Q Foundation and that uh, he has scammed other people, that they should have a file on him already because uh, Handicap Me was told that, that they know all about him. So they already know that he's a scammer there at PayPal. And if you let them know at PayPal when you call them, make sure to do this on the phone, not by email, but call them up at PayPal and tell them that this gift you sent, John Sepulveda, was actually money for a charity. And that he never submitted to the charity, that he admitted this, that he's committed this scam against many people on the internet, and that they have already refunded some people that he has scammed. So even though this is a gift, he told you to submit it as a gift so the charity uh, gets the whole money and no fees are lost. That's what he was claiming. He was claiming, send it to me as a gift because it's a gift for the charity. But in reality, he kept it for himself, that this was fraud. Now, it's not for sure that you will win this, but it's possible. For example, Rolo Tomasi, one of the users on this site, called up and they agreed to make a, quote, one-time exception and open a case on this, and he might get his money back. Now, if you sent him money in the last 45 days, for any reason, I would charge that back on PayPal. In fact, I'm going to personally do that, because I sent him money in January. If you sent him money for the 22Q Foundation, this was back in September, so, or maybe even August, So that's a lot more than 45 days ago, but you can challenge that too. You can say it's just come out that he never sent that money to the charity, that the whole thing was a scam, and that they've already investigated him at at, uh, PayPal and discovered that indeed he was scamming people. So even though it's later, can they please make an exception for this 45 to 60 day thing because you just figured out that you were scammed? So I would call PayPal and uh, start doing this. If you ever sent him any money, I would try to charge these back. If you sent him a lot of different little pieces of money, like let's say he sent 10 here, 20 here, 25 there, I would find the bigger payments you've made to him and complain about those. I wouldn't complain about 10 different payments. I I would go for the big ones. So that's my suggestion. We'll see if it works. Anyway. I will report next week how these uh, PayPal chargebacks have worked out. Congratulations to Handicap Me for getting 500 bucks back. And, and by the way, uh, don't feel bad about 
getting money back from PayPal. Don't say, oh man, I don't want PayPal to pay for Jason's sins. Well, don't worry about PayPal. Uh, the fees that people pay, I mean, you've paid fees on PayPal before, I'm sure, if you've ever used eBay. PayPal, which is part of eBay, makes a fortune on fees for exactly reasons like this, because they know a certain percentage of all the transactions they handle are scams, and that in order to kind of preserve their good name, they pay out money for scammers. It's it's worked into their business model. So don't feel bad about taking money from PayPal if they'll give it to you, because that's worked into the fees you've been paying them the whole time. It's it's almost like insurance. It's almost like uh, collecting on an insurance claim. And, And you're telling them the truth. He did scam us. When you sent him money, he did scam you. And the only reason I'm saying that uh, uh, whether you sent him for this or not to just group this all in with the scam is because his whole time here was a scam. Anything he received money for from anyone was a scam, pretty much. And if it wasn't, um, the majority, the vast majority of what he received money here was a scam. So any money you can get out of PayPal from transactions he did with JSIP would fall into their whole kind of insurance they have built into their uh, their fee structure to where they know a certain percentage will be scams and they have to refund that. So I would not feel bad about that. I'm going to take a call here. Caller, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, uh, who's calling? Uh, this is One Step. One Step, yes. Yeah, uh, why, I mean... You gotta speak louder once, if I can barely hear you. Yeah, um, I'm surprised you're not talking about, you know, this month is a very special month. Do you, you know why? I have a feeling you're talking about Black History Month, am I correct? Yes, it's, it's, it's renamed this year to Django History Month. So, anytime you hear it, it's Django Mystery uh, History Month. Alright, that's great. Anything else you'd like to say? Uh, that's about it. Thank you. Great call, very much on topic as always. Thank you, One Step. All right, so um, we'll move on to the next topic. We'll let uh, One Step Stupid Call be the kind of uh, separator between the next topic we're going to move on to. I'm going to call up a natural-born hustler who is a user on this site. I believe listen to the radio every week. Listen to the radio on the previous site I was involved with. Well, he brought up a scam that he is currently the victim of on a sports book called Bet Online. Now, before I call him, let me tell you guys, there are so many shady sports books out there. If you go to uh, sportsbookreview.com, which is abbreviated SBR, sportsbookreview.com, you will see a list of sports books that have a letter grade from A to F. And the vast, vast majority of them have an F. Sports books that have just packed up and left. Rolled everyone, didn't pay out. Just disappeared. Didn't pay anyone. Ripped people off. I mean, the number of sports books, the percentage of sports books online that ended up being a scam in some way is staggering. It makes the poker industry look honest. I'm not even exaggerating. Well... The problem is, occasionally, a highly rated site on Sportsbook Review turns out to be bad. We had that with Bet Cascade, who was uh, praised heavily by Sportsbook Review, and they crashed and burned in 2007. I was a victim of that. 
Sportsbook Review has been accused of taking money from certain sites to give them a better review than they deserve. I don't know if it's true, but I've heard these accusations. And uh, some people are accusing them of that with Bet Online, which uh, has not that good of a reputation, but Sportsbook Review actually has uh, glowing things to say about them for the most part. So, um, Natural Born Hustler. I'm going to call him up. He has a disturbing story about trying to cash out of Bet Online. And even though this is called Poker Fraud Alert, this site, a lot of people here bet sports. And if you bet sports, you probably use an online sports book. So I think it's important for people to hear about stories like these so you know which sports books to stay away from. And since it involves one of our users, I thought, why not get the guy on the phone and have him tell us what occurred? So uh, I'm going to call Natural Born Hustler. Hopefully he's around. He said he's not sure what time he'll be staying up till, and he's not on the West Coast. I believe he's on the East Coast. So it is 11 o'clock there. But uh, let's put him on the phone here. And hear his story with Bet Online. Mr. Finkelstein. Hello. Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. Glad to have you on here. Have, have you been on the show before? Uh, no. Well, make sure to turn off the radio in the background. Buddy. Yeah, let me uh, let me turn this shit down. Okay. All right, go ahead. All right, so you were scammed or are in the process of being scammed probably by Bet Online, which is a sports book. And uh, why don't you tell us uh, from the beginning what happened? All right. Um, basically, January sixth of 12, 2012, I put my positive five on online. Um, you know, just for the hell of it, nothing, nothing serious. I don't, I don't try to make money off that sports, whatever. But anyway, so they gave me like um, hundred and fifty dollar bonus, and then you got to roll the whole amount over six times, which equals thirty seven fifty. Um, you know, so I had to hit thirty seven fifty and roll over. And basically, how they do roll over is just basically the lower amount of whatever you bet. If it's whatever the lower number is, basically that's what they credit towards rollover. Now, when you say the lower um, number, do you mean what the payout would be? So, like if you you bet uh, five hundred on like if, like if I, like if I bet a heavy favorite at minus three hundred and I put three hundred up to win a hundred, they'll give me the hundred. Right. If I bet twenty to win twenty five and I win, they're going to give me the twenty. Okay. So pretty much either way, either way, so it's going to be the lower number every time. I see. So 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 as far as the like risk reward system, it, whatever you're betting and whatever the payout would be. Um, they take the lower of those two numbers, and that's what they consider the rollover, which is already kind of crappy. Uh, most most sites do it in the way of rollover is considered uh, whatever you're betting is considered going towards the rollover. So if you bet a thousand dollars, it it doesn't matter what the odds are. It's, it's not really fair if you think about it, because if you're bet, let's say you're betting on a ten to one favorite, where you're you're betting a thousand to win a hundred. Um, yes, you're most likely going to win, but you know a certain percentage of the time you're going to lose. So you're going to lose a right. lot just to win a, li- a little. So it's not like uh, these bets are bad for the sports book. In fact, some of these huge favorites are actually very good for them. So uh, yeah. I, they should just count and, exactly what you're betting. But that's not the scam here. That's just the way they do it. Yeah, and, and, and honestly, I was kind of naive to all of that. If I'd have known that they were going to make me bet $3,750 fucking dollars for a $150 credit, I'd just told them to keep the fucking $150. I don't, you know what I mean? Whatever. It's, 
It's fucking, but I didn't know that, so they got me, whatever. But um, about six months later, I cashed out, like I said, not even realizing about the rollover shit, and they were like, you have an issue rollover or whatever, and there's a little calculator at the top of your account screen every time you log in. So sure enough, I clicked on about six months ago, and it was like 23 and change out of 3750 something like that. So I was like, all right, whatever, NFL season's about to come up, you know, I'm going to be placing a shit ton of bets, you know, I'll, I'll hit it in no time, whatever. So again, and every time you, every time a, a wager is graded, you see it actually move. You know what I mean? You see the counter move up to where it says twenty four hundred out of thirty seven fifty or whatever. You know what I mean? So, so as I'm betting along, you know, NFL season, it's moving up, moving up, moving up, and then finally about a month ago, I guess, or about, about thereabouts, I crossed over the thirty seven fifty, and once you cross over the thirty seven fifty, it resets to zero out of zero. So right when I crossed over that thirty seven fifty rollover. The counter goes to zero, and then it actually doesn't even count anymore. Yeah, it's so just, so just it, right. So just to recap for everybody listening here, uh, these thirty seven hundred fifty dollars he has to quote roll over. Uh, that you know he has to make these uh, these bets, and and every time he does it, it has a little calculator at the top of the screen that's telling him how much right. more you have to bet until the rollover is complete. So here he completed it, and it said zero out of zero. And when he kept betting, it still said zero out of zero. So that meant the rollover's done. And that's uh, so. Yeah, and and actually, I I made a bet last night just for the the hell of it, just to check and see if the zero zero moved at all. And I made the bet. I lost it. It was only for like twenty five dollars or something, and it didn't move. And of course, it's and I just logged in before the the show came on, and it's still zero out of zero. But what was funny is after I had all this back and forth with them, I logged into one day, and it was like twenty two eighty out of thirty seven fifty all of a sudden. You know, just like out of the fucking blue. So and shit, and I'm like. That's when I really started, like, like what the hell's going on here? So, so, they, so then you requested this, uh, this bank wire, and they, and so I see on your uh, post, and by the way, you can find this in the scam scandals and shadiness forum, the list of what happened and a, a screen capture of all the emails. Uh, so he says, I, I see that you submitted a bank wire request on January twenty first of this year, and at first they said that it's been canceled because you didn't give the whole bank's physical address and all this other crap. So you resubmitted it. And then, right. and then you got the the most ridiculous letter back saying, "You've asked for two bank wires, so uh, you can only do one every three days." So they're trying to say, uh, "You know, your first request didn't go through, so when you try to re- re- do the second request to replace the first one, they say, no, 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 you already have a bank wire coming.' So uh, now you have to wait. Okay, now and realize this. Now look, <laughs> now remember, they don't say anything about the rollover. Okay, in them two emails, it's just. You know, your bank, because, of course, if I hadn't hit the rollover, of course they were going to say, you haven't hit the rollover yet, you can't. But they didn't say nothing about that now. All they said was the, the bank's name is spelled wrong or some bullshit. So I was like, all right, whatever. You know what I mean? All right, so go ahead. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, that, that's that's so ridiculous. That's almost like uh, me with the poker fraud alert free roll, where I say, uh, you know, each person can only win one prize every week. And then uh, you, you send me a message saying, hey, you know, can you send me my $30? And I say, well, I can't. You didn't give me your PayPal address. And they say, okay, here's my PayPal address. I go, nope, you already requested one, and uh, you didn't give me your PayPal address, and now you have to wait till next week to request it because this is your second request. Yeah. You go, no, 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 I'm just, I'm just correcting the first, address, the first request. And I go, no, 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 that's your second request. You made one yesterday, one today, so I'm not paying you. That, that, so that's what they said to him. And as he's noting here, um, they said nothing about needing more rollover. They were just saying, hey, We'd process this. We just don't have the bank information. And then once he gave the bank information, no, 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 this is your second request. So, so, uh, so I guess you yeah, it's just they're just fucking trying to run me around in fucking circles and shit. So, so you so you waited shit. you waited the time, and then um, and then what happened? Yeah, I had I had a bunch of bets on the Super Bowl, 
And I was like, you know what? Well, I'm, I'm not really trusting the money now. I'll just wait till after the game. You know what I mean? So if I win all those, I had like 10 different bets on the Super Bowl. So if I win all those bets, you know, I'll just be able to cash out more. So sure enough, I waited, won all them bets, got the bounce a little higher, tried to cash out again. So I go online, try to submit the request form. It says you have a message comes up before I can submit it saying you haven't hit your rollover requirements. You know what I mean? You can't cash out. I'm like, what the fuck are they talking about? My The counter said zero out of zero for the past fucking month. You know what I mean? It's been off 37.50 for at least a month, if not longer. Yeah. So I call them up and I say, what's going on? You know what I mean? I tried to cash out. It's saying this and that, blah, blah, blah. He says, all right, all right, let me, let, me, uh, let me look into it. Puts me on hold for like a good 15, 20 minutes. So I'm just sitting there waiting, waiting, waiting. And he comes back on the phone. He's like, okay, go ahead and try to cash out now. It, uh, you have to log back out and log back in, but it should work. I'm like, well, what about the three-day bank wire thing? I was like, I just, he's like, oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Just log back out, log back in, and it'll work. Sure enough, I log back out, log back in submit the request, and it goes through. Yeah, I see that. February like, 8th, you, you posted an email that said, this email confirms our receipt of your payout request via bank wire for the amount of, of whatever dollars uh, um, at, at bed online, your account ID, blah, blah, blah. So so he got this at, on February 8th, just four days ago, that uh, they... They've received this request and that they're they're going to review it and uh, he'll be notified when it's been processed. So then, then I see about an hour later you get an email from them. I, I laughed at this part. Hi, this is Dickie Curtis from Bet Online. Now, now, what do you think the chances are that this guy was Dickie Curtis? I know. I was like, what? This is Dickie Curtis. You, th- you think this guy actually goes by Dickie in the office? Hey, Dickie. <laughs> I mean, that's, this is this is obviously like a foreigner who thinks the Dicky is a, a, like a, a name that Americans still use. That people call each other yeah. Dicky here in America. But anyway, uh, Dicky Curtis said that they have canceled the payout because the free play bonus requirements have not been met, and uh, they they go on to this whole the like, long form letter about how yeah, rollover is required. It's calculated. It's nothing but bullshit. Yeah, yeah. so so uh, they say that it's it's wrong. So so they uh, they they are insisting that uh, that you're wrong, basically, right? They, they they still say you owe them more rollover. Yeah, pretty much. And like I said, so I call them back. Okay, so now now I'm like fucking pissed. That was on a fr- I'm pretty sure that was Friday. And I was like, I'll just wait till Monday. I call them. There probably ain't nobody. Nobody around on the week anyway. So whatever. I'll just wait till Monday and call him back. So I call him back Monday morning. And while I'm on hold, I log back into my account just to see if the roll, you know, just to check things, you know what I mean, just to make sure before I talk to somebody. So while I'm on hold, I log back into my account. And now the fucking rollover meter is at twenty two eighty twenty out of thirty seven fifty. Yes, yeah, so they, they out of the blue. <laughs> so they just—he's uh, been at zero rollover all this time. It's not even like he has to guess the rollover. That's one good thing, if you can call it that, on Bet Online, is they show you how much you need to roll over. Where many other books, you just have to memorize it and then call them and ask them, you know, "Am I done rolling over?" Here, they actually show you on top how much you have to roll over. It's been zero for a long time. Uh, after he gets this email, they just slap. Some random amount on his uh, on his account that he still has to roll over, which is crazy. Like it, they said, he was done already. So suddenly it's back. You've got to roll over twenty two hundred more. So so then what happened? So then I, I'm sitting on hold. I'm, I'm waiting about ten minutes to customer service or whatever. They transfer me whatever. So now when I see the twenty two eighty, I'm fucking pissed. All right, I'm just straight yelling at this dude for like twenty minutes straight, like asking him over and over, how did it go from zero out of zero? 
to now 2280. Oh, I don't, I don't know. You, you must not have clicked in it and reset the counter. I'm like, no. And what I didn't realize on the phone at the time with him was you have to actually click calculate rollover to see the zero out of zero. It doesn't just show up when you log into your account. <laughs> you have to click calculate rollover and then you'll see, you know what I mean, what, what the, what the total is. So he was trying to tell me, oh, well, you must not have clicked it and reset it that whole time. I was like, it was like that for a fucking month. What are you talking about? I was like, I clicked on that shit a bunch of fucking times. It's been on zero. I was like, and now all of a sudden it's on 2280. He's like, you know, so we just kept going round and round. You know, I'm fucking yelling at him. I'm like, this is bullshit. You know, blah, blah, blah. He's like, no, we're right. He pretty much just basically said, we're right. You know what I mean? I, but I asked him like five different times. I'm like, how did it go from zero to zero? I was like, I got pictures on the internet of proof that it was zero to zero. He was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. He's like, I don't, he was like, oh, the other guy, when you called before to, to try to get the rollover thing fixed up, he must have messed up or something. I was like, no, 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 no. I was like, my shit was on zero out of zero for a long time. It wasn't because of him messing with something that got it. I was like, it's been on zero out of zero. So we kept going round and round. And I was like, I want all the fucking records of the bets I make because you can only go back 90 days, you know what I mean, on the actual site online. So I was like, I want all the fucking records from the day I deposited to right now so I can see them. He's like, okay, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me, let me put you on hold. Goes back another 10 minutes, comes back. He's like, oh, we're going to need uh, manager's approval for that. It's going to take 24 to 48 hours. So I'm like, what the hell do you need? He's like, oh, it's a separate file that we need to get, and we can't send it out, and, you know, all this bullshit about why he couldn't send it to me right then. I was like, all right. So I basically left it like, all right, I'll give you 48 hours. I'll be calling you back in 48 hours if I don't have the fucking records. So that's where it stands right now? Yep, pretty much. Tomorrow at about 3 o'clock will be 48 hours. Okay, so now we have another person who's on this site named Claw who posted in the thread uh, a disheartening story that, that couldn't have made you feel very good. This is what Claw said. They stalled me like this, and I never used a bonus. I ran a $200 deposit up to $1,700 last NFL season. And again, Claw did not have any rollover. He just he just put in money, no bonus, bet normally, happened to run it up to 1700 from 200 My cash out was canceled at least six to seven times during a three-week period after a rep told me each time that I was good to go. It took them two weeks to verify my documentation as well. Once I got it approved, I deposited an extra $100 to continue betting because he wasn't able to reverse it. So that was the really bad thing. <laughs> they, they, uh, they, they were stalled. They kept, um, after he got it approved, he couldn't even have them take $100 off of it and uh, um, bet from that. They said, no, 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 it's, uh, it's already approved the cash out, so you can't do anything. You have to redeposit if you want to keep betting. So he did, and then they canceled it the next day. <laughs> and they so they they tell him okay your cash out's been approved he wanted to make more bets he put in another hundred dollars to bet again and then right after that they canceled it and said oh guess what we have a new requirement that you have to yeah, wait sounds, thirty sounds fucking familiar doesn't it <laughs> yeah that you have to wait thirty days from your last credit card deposit to cash out so you you submitted a cash out we approved it then you redeposited but up oh, now you've got to wait thirty days from your last deposit before we can cash out so they they uh, they canceled it so then he flipped out he says st- and they stopped replying to his emails um, and, and so. He said he'd been using the same debit card for two years for them. He chunked off a bunch on Tilt and still has about $300 on there that he messes around with. Of course, that doesn't matter. He could probably rent it up to a million. He'd probably never get paid. He said it's not worth the stress. Uh, there are D-rated sports books on, on, on uh, SBR that have paid him 
the same day via Western Union. He's, he's naming Bet Phoenix as one of them. I can't figure out why they're rated so high, he says, and just assume it's because they pay SBR. And as the story makes his assumption stronger. He says, good luck getting money from these pieces of shit. So this is really bad. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this yeah, is... If you, if, if you Google, like, Bet Online Rollover or Bet Online Payouts, it's fucking pages and pages and pages of stories just like this. So it's, it seems like old Dicky here is one of the people probably paid at Bet Online to find ways to give excuses about why you can't ever cash out, to where they, they just throw every hurdle in the way to cash out to where you just never can. No matter what the issue is, they find an excuse not to. Your bank information is not there. Okay, we have your bank information now. Well, well, now this is your second request. You've got to wait three more days. Oh, now you've waited three more days? Well, now, now you haven't... Uh, Cleared your rollover. Oh, you say you've completed your roller? Okay, we, we'll fix that. Then you, then you resubmit it. Oh, you know what? It turns out we're wrong. You do have to redo it. And then, you know, they find whatever way. They must be hiring these monkeys over there and somewhere in the third world, Dickie Curtis and friends, to just find <laughs> every reason to stall you. And it looks like they did the same thing to Claw, where, I mean, that that's really horrendous. Where, where... Yeah, and, and, and what's going to be interesting is they, remember, they told me 24 to 40 hours. Klaus said it took them two fucking weeks to to get his paper paperwork or whatever the hell paperwork he could have possibly yeah, needed and, and as soon, you know, as soon to as get they all saw... that shit together. So and... it's going to be real interesting to see when I call these dumb motherfuckers tomorrow what excuse they're going to come up with now, and they're probably just going to keep putting me off for who knows how fucking long. Yeah, now, you know what I think we should do? I, I want to call them up. I'm not going to use your name or anything, but uh, um, I'm going to have Chico Loco call them up here. And, and ask them some general questions. So, uh, do you have their phone number by any chance? Otherwise, I can look it up. Uh, yeah, actually, I got it on my other phone here. Hold on. Let's add them here. I'm going to have Chico Loco ask them a few questions, and uh, I, I just decided this out of nowhere. This wasn't a planned segment, but uh, what the hell? Let's let's. Call, I want to call up and ask for Dickie Curtis first of all. I want to get him on the phone. I want to speak to Dickie. Oh, be, fucking I, I, I can look it up though, if you'd like. Yeah, it's one eight hundred. It's eight hundred. I'm not fucking. Can't find it in my house room right now. Oh yeah, here it is. I got it. Okay. So what's the number? One eight hundred nine seven seven four seven one seven. All right. Let's uh, call these people up. And, yeah, and you have to ask for player services. Okay. So that's that's where they're going to automatically transfer it to whatever dumbass answers the phone. Make a fast and easy deposit. Be sure to visit our online cashier. Simply log into your yeah. account. Not a fast and easy withdrawal, though. Our most popular <laughs> deposit option is by person-to-person. Just select Visa person-to-person with an easy instruction. Now, you can request your free play as soon as you make your deposit online. <laughs> Simply enter the promo code it's so simple until you have to withdraw. Why not just give you like a hundred percent or a thousand percent? They're never going to pay you anyway. And using one of our other cash deposit methods, and your bonus will increase to twenty-five percent. Oh my goodness! Did you forget your username or password? Be sure to double-check your inbox and junk mail. They should be there. I don't want to hear this shit. Any other questions? Please stay online, and someone will be with you. As for player, what? Number right with you. Like your your account number. I'll feed you the best live sports betting platform in the market. Now there's no need to rush to get. I don't want to hear these commercials. Calling bet online. 
to make a fast and easy deposit, be sure to visit our oh, online geez. cashier. Did I just have to start over? They, they usually answer pretty quick during the day, but at night it might be different. Popular deposit option is by person to person. I'm not even sure if I'm on hold. I think I just reset the whole recording. With an easy instruction. Now, you can request your free plays. Usually they'll pick right up when you first call and then put you on hold for like five minutes with the player services. When making a deposit with your credit card, and you'll receive a 15% bonus. I'm so sick of this Even guy. Even better, use the promo code TXBONUS when using one of our other cash deposit methods, and your bonus will I've never heard this before, where it just goes into, like, direct marketing mode here. Like, why? Like, not password. press one for this, two sure for that. It's like this. For 15%, for 15% uh, enter TX bonus. I've never even heard any of this. They usually pick up what we're going to do right away. I'm afraid to press a button. I got this guy. Hello, again. and thanks for calling Player Services. We'll be right with you. Oh, thank goodness. Thanks for calling Bet Online. Oh, no. Make a fast and easy deposit. <laughs> be sure to our online cashier. This makes great radio. You can log into your account and then click on the cashier tab. I bet I'll have this whole thing memorized by the time they come on. Just select Visa, person to person, for the. E oh, here we go. Hey, oh, the, yeah, this is uh, Chico Loco. I, I got, I got a question here. I, there's someone here I got to speak to. It's um, is there a, a Dicky Curtis there? Curtis, oh yeah, man, but he just left for the day, man. He went, he went home. Man, what, 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 what hour is that? for the day. What, what hour is that dude in, man? It's gonna be tomorrow, uh, three thirty in the, in the noon Eastern time. Three thirty afternoon. Okay, I I got a question here. I, I got to speak to someone because you know, this Dickie Curtis he gave me the runaround, and you know I I first of all I got to wonder why you guys why you guys hire a guy named Dickie. You, you know if you you got you speak to a Dickie, you know man that guy's probably a dick. And I, I'm not trying to be like you know like rude or nothing, but you know this guy this guy done a lot of shit to me, and I I want to speak to someone about it. So if I cannot speak to him, can I speak to another supervisor? All right, go ahead, man. What's your show number? All right, no, no, I, I, I don't got that with me right now. But um, he, here's what happened. It, what happens at every step they try to find an excuse to not pay me. Like no matter what I say, you know, if I like, let, let me give you a, a a situation, okay? Let's say I put the money on the site, and let's say I win a bunch of bets, and I go, okay, okay, Chico Loco win a bunch of money is a payday for me, okay? So then I go and uh, I go to the cash out. And they process the cash out, and they take a long time to to process. They keep stalling, 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 stalling. Okay, so they they get the cash out done. A chico loco is going to get the money, and then I see I see a game I want to bet on. So then I my cash out been approved. So I put the money in. I put a hundred dollars on. I say, okay, I want to bet on this game. Should they cancel my cash out at that point? Yeah, but I need to know. I've I, I, okay. No, this you is don't a, know this your is, Give me your name. What's your name? No, this is a general question for you. This is this, what I'm trying to say here is if what happens if you already have a cash out in process your ca your cash out has been approved and then you put more money on the site and place a bet should that matter should your cash out still be approved should that affect your cash out yes or no no okay this is what this is what happened to Chico Loco okay I win the money I I do the cash out they they keep finding different excuses not to pay me this dicky guy this dick he put me through all this runaround you know I you know I I say hey Holmes. Where, where's my money? Where's my money, Holmes? And he goes, No, no, no. We, we, we you know, you got to give us your bank address. You got to give us this. You got to give us that. It take about four weeks to get this done. So finally, four weeks later, they tell me my cash has been approved. I go, Hallelujah, 
Hallelujah. I, you know, I, I, I actually, I started going to church and pray for my cash out to be approved, and they approve it. And I go, okay, maybe I start going to church more, okay? So then, so then they, they process my cash out. I put $100 back on the site to bet on a game. And then when I bet on the game, they send me a message saying, you have to wait for 30 days from your last deposit to do cash out. So since you just deposited again, you have to wait 30 more days to do that cash out all over again. And they canceled my cash out for that reason. This, this happened to Chico Loco. So now you know why I'm so pissed at Dickie, at Dickie Curtis. The, now you know why I call him Dickie All the right, Dick. man. You know what? But in order to see situation more closer, give me your... Um, what's your first name? Okay, so let me tell you what, what's going on here, okay? I am afraid if I give you my name that what is going to happen is that you're going to tell Dickie that I call him Dickie the Dick, and then he delay my cash out even no, more. No, man. No, no, no. Trust me. I'm not going to tell nothing, man. No, no, I, I, I want you know, because on, they, they've, been, they've, they've been jerking me around. You know, they say, they say to me, okay, okay, you know, we, we're going to process your cash out. And then, no, 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 we cancel it again. Up, oh, we cash out again. You know, if you're going to cheat me, just say, hey, Chico, we got you. We got you, Chico. You don't, you don't got no money. You, you ain't don't get no money. We got your money. You don't got our money. You win the bets. You don't really win the bets. You just, just tell me the truth. Just tell me we don't pay nobody. Because I, I take a look online on, on the, on the internet. I go to the internet cafe and I take a look and all the people, they all, they all complain, bet online, all they do is they don't cash out, they just make excuse after excuse. They say, we can't cash you out for this reason. I had one guy, I, I, read, I read on the message board, this guy say, he could not, they could not cash him out because, um, b- because the amount that he cashed out ended with the number 8. And they say the number 8 is, is too good of a luck to cash out. The 8 is considered good luck in Asian culture, so if you want to cash out with number 8, it's not good to do that. You need to cash out when you're having bad luck, not good luck. So they don't cash him out for that reason. I see so many stories where they don't cash out nobody. Really? Where do you um you read that, man? I, I, I read this on a, on a, a sportsbookreview.com. They, they say this. They say everybody has different story of why they do not cash them out. You know, I see other story. Okay, this one guy he send them their banking. He he says I want to cash out. They say. You, f- you forgot to give us your banking information. He goes, oh, I'm sorry. Here, here is my banking information. They say, I'm sorry. You can only do one cash out every day. So this is your second cash out. He says, no, no, no. This is not my second cash out. This is my first cash out. I just send you the information that you I forgot in the first one. And they say, no, this is your second one, right? No, we cannot do it for you. You have to wait three days. This just goes over and over and over again. I Nobody get the money off of here. So it makes me think this is like a black hole. You know, the guy, there is the guy... Who is doing the recording when I wait for you to get on the phone? He says, oh, a 15% cash out, enter a TX bonus, blah, blah, blah. And I think, you know, you make it so easy to put money in, but so hard to get the money out. Well, why is that? No, don't worry, sir. Trust me. You're going to get your money. Um, but they've been I saying mean, this. No, don't, 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 don't believe to all the people who says, you know. But I, but I experienced this myself. A lot of trash. I, 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 I just had this so, myself, um, but I had I this myself. What I can tell you is that we have over 21 years, you know, doing business here. And have what you I can heard, tell you, by the way, have you heard, of, have you heard of the problem? One of our duties is to, you know, pay our players, right? So have you, have, have you heard of the, this Dickie Curtis? Have you heard other complaints about him? Oh, really? No, have you have you had Have you had other people call up and say, I do not like this Dickie Curtis, he's a big dick. Have you had that before? Like maybe well, not in those words, but have you had other people that complain about Dickie Curtis? No, this is the first time. To be honest with you, what happened is I remember that Dickie Curtis 
He's in the Eastern Department. And, um, uh, do, right? do you know if that is his real name? Because I, I wonder, could his name really be Dickie? No one they call themselves Dickie no more. You know, you call yourself Dickie, they think you they think you are bending over, taking it up the ass. You know, no, nobody calls himself Dickie, and especially in my hood. You know, you don't call yourself Dickie. Would you call yourself Dickie? Let's say your name is Richard. Would you call yourself Dickie? You 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 would not do that, right? Hello, sir, are you there? Hello. All right, the number was still on, but I think he hung up on me. So. Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> that was fucking hilarious. <laughs> so anyway, the, the the bottom line is don't. He said, "Maybe I should go to church more often." <laughs> I, I'm 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 surprised uh, he stayed on as long as he did. But anyway, um, that's um, that, yeah. That, I, I straight berated him for about a good twenty minutes straight, and I was surprised they actually stayed on the line and stayed calm because I was I was yelling for literally twenty minutes. Fucking, you know what? Me. They probably have that as part of the job description that if you take a job here, you're going to have a lot of pissed off people, but just try to stall them for as long as possible. And uh, and just let them abuse you and let them get their anger out and don't have any kind of ego here. That like this guy, he same thing. He was like very mellow. Just let me go off. Yep, yep. Like the, I think that's what they have. Like I'll I'll tell you uh, a local Las Vegas job that's like that. Uh, the Chris Angel show, which is a hated show. I mean that show is not what they portray it to be, and it costs a lot of money. To see, it's just it's a, a disaster that show. I won't go into why, but really, like yeah, like, really? like go go read the reviews of it and you'll laugh about about all the fail with the Chris Angel show here at the Luxor. So uh, the people who are at the ticket counter at the Luxor every single time that show lets out, and people actually boo in that show, and like not as a joke, like they're actually that pissed. So people actually walk out and demand their money back, and and they have really 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 angry people there that demand their money back. Big fights occur every single day at the Luxor after that show. So the people who they hire know to expect this. They're, they're not surprised. They're just like part of the job. You just know you're going to work every day at the Luxor, and you're going to have people bitching at you that the Chris Angel show sucks and they want their money back and feel ripped off. And, and your job is accordingly. Calm, yeah, and, and your job is to calm them down. So it's, it's pretty much the same thing here. Like it's a job to take abuse. And, uh, you know, obviously at these, uh, especially in these uh, third world countries, people are willing to take a job to do anything. Like, uh, you know, they, the, the job description is get on the phone and let dumb Americans yell at you. You know, fine, as long as you get a paycheck at the end of the day. So um, this, someone just posted in the chat uh, a link about uh, does the Chris, does Chris Angel's Cirque du Soleil show at the Luxor really suck that much? The answer is yes, by the way. I haven't even seen it, but I, I know people who have, and I've read enough reviews to know that it sucks big time. But anyway, uh, I'm pretty convinced that Bet Online either doesn't pay you, or if they do pay you, only does after you really, really give them a hard time and, and like are so persistent that eventually they finally kick out some money just so they can say they paid someone. Yeah, well, I will say this. A lot of the stories online, they say that they do get end up getting paid eventually, but the shit they have to go through to actually get the money is, is just like this. It's ridiculous. Well, and look what they happened to Claw here. Like, Claw 
what he did is he gave up. He finally just said it's not worth it, not worth the hassle. I'll just keep betting with the money on the site. <laughs> That's what he's doing. He he chunked off a bunch on tilt, he said, and then has like $300 that he kind of just messes around with every so often, you know, 50 bucks here, 25 there, and, and, and just doesn't even bother yeah. trying to cash out. So I'm, af- I'm afraid there's yeah. too many people like him on the site, not trying to criticize Claw here, but uh, – yeah. Uh, you can best believe I ain't touching that fucking balance. I threw 25 the last night just because I was bored, but I ain't touching that shit, okay? Because NFL's over, and that's really only all what I bet unless it's some just other dumb random little shit. So that that balance didn't even fucking touch pretty yeah. much. So all right, ain't, well, ain't, I ain't chunking off shit. Yeah, well, uh, we're going to move on to the next segment. Thanks thanks for the call, and uh, I think this was uh, very eye-opening in several ways. All right, cool, Joe. Thanks, all right, man. thanks. So that was Bet Online. You got to hear their customer service rep with Chico Loco, and you got to hear Natural Born Hustler with his story. Uh, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to play the new Travis McCarr tapes. Now, again, I'm going to give a disclaimer that these tapes came from Donk Down, the site I used to be part of. And the good news is that we may actually be getting things directly from Travis is from Travis McCarr, who gave these to uh, Mycon of Donk Down. But we may actually get these directly in the future, because uh, Travis, who for a while only wanted to deal with Mycon, because that's who he had the, re- the relationship with from two years ago, contacted me recently and gave me his phone number. And I'm not going to call him tonight. I don't want to surprise him, even though he surprised me two years ago when he appeared on our show. But uh, he did give me his phone number and apparently wants to establish a relationship with me. So hopefully we'll be getting things directly in the future. But if not, if he changes his mind, whatever, then I'll just uh, play the stuff that he distributes through Micon, who has said that he's uh, presenting this to the public for the good of the community. So tonight we have four more tapes that Travis has released. Now, I believe the way this worked was I think Russ recorded these things secretly and then Travis got a hold of them in some way. I, I believe that's the way this all happened because whenever you hear recordings, you're like, well, okay, who recorded this? Under what circumstances? Why did they record this? Uh, I'm not sure why Russ recorded this stuff, but I guess Travis got a hold of it. He was kind of like Russ's right-hand man. Surprising that Travis actually was able to get a hold of it because these tapes are talking about framing Travis and everything. So... Surprised Russ let these uh, be uh, compromised and uh, be obtained, but uh, whatever. I'm going to play the, the first clip here, which is considered tape number eight. We played one through seven last week. And in this first clip, we're going to play first, we're going to hear about a tournament, an Aruba satellite tournament, where uh, a complaint was made through UB Pro, longtime UB Pro Sean Rice, who I actually sat next to on day one of my first and only foray into the UB Aruba tournament. I played that tournament in 2007, and Sean Rice sat right next to me. I'll give you my impression of him and uh, what I think was said about him on this tape. I'll play this and stop it at every part I think it's worth talking about. Now, I think Dan, who Russ is meeting with here, that's Russ's voice you're hearing uh, first, the, the kind of uh, raspy-sounding voice. You're going to hear that mostly on this tape. Uh, I think that's Daniel Cunningham. Not sure. 
But uh, I believe that's who Dan is. This is not Greg Peterson in the background. Sandy, and we'll continue to talk about Sandy some. If anybody can tell me who Sandy is, I'm curious. talking about here, this Daniel person, as I said, I think it's Daniel Cunningham, said that uh, a database was accessed, which he says is a read-only database, but he doesn't know how they managed to do it. But they're referring, I believe, to the records of a tournament that was to win seats to the Aruba satellite, where uh, super-using was done, cheating was done. And uh, they actually ran a lot of these and uh, from the stories I've heard, what Russ Hamilton did, because he was very big in this whole Aruba thing and setting up the Aruba tournament, uh, they ran a whole lot of these Aruba tournament satellites, and then Russ or others using the super user account cheated. And uh, and so what they did was uh, they, they generated a lot of seats here to make the tournament uh, look bigger than it was. But at the same time, these seats were actually won by Russ or his friends, and, uh, and and probably sold or given away or whatever. So th- this this way they had a lot of people in you know injecting money into these satellites, but but the seats just all went back to them and their friends. So uh, it, it accomplished two things: they made money and they made the tournament look uh, bigger than it was. But he, uh, they're ref- referring to here a complaint that uh, something about a screenshot and a, a tournament that took place one of these satellites that uh, something was found that was wrong. But there's a screenshot of the tournament. And now he was thinking Yuri thought it was perhaps a recreated. Now Yuri, by the way, that's a Yuri Kozai, and uh, he's been accused of uh, helping hide some of the evidence here, including some of the hand histories. Nothing ever proven, but that's who he's referring to, Yuri. Uh, 
Okay, so there you go. Sean Rice was the one who brought this to their attention. And I guess somebody brought this to Sean Rice saying, what the hell? And Sean Rice said, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't post this on the forums. Let me handle this. Let me take care of this. Um, that's kind of disturbing here. He said he wants to keep his job. Now, of course, this is these are Russ's words about Sean Rice. So uh, we can't be sure about this since Russ, uh, you never know what he says, if it's the truth or not. But if this is true, it's pretty bad. And it's something I long suspected about the longtime UB online pros, people like Poker Ho, people like Sean Rice, who all come off as decent guys when you meet them in person. Um, for example, this Poker Ho guy, I forget his real name, but he was always very nice whenever I saw him. Uh, Sean Rice kind of comes off as like a, a folksy southern guy. Um, I'll tell you about Sean Rice, too. This guy was a, one of the most straightforward tournament players I've ever seen. Like, you, you always knew what he had. And I'm not even, you know, I'm not the world's best no-limit tournament player as it is. I, I, I can hold my own, but uh, I'm not like a superstar no-limit tournament player. But I, I found this guy was very, very easy to play against. But that's, that's neither here nor there. I'm just saying that, uh, just as a commentary, I always wondered what exactly Sean Rice did to really earn his longtime UB pro standing. But there were a number of guys like that who kind of were there on the ground floor of UB. They're, I'm not sure when they came on as UB pros, but guys like Sean Rice and Poker Ho and other ones like that. And I always wondered why these seemingly nice guys hung on as UB pros even after these scandals broke. These guys stayed on from beginning to end. And I always wondered how they could do this and look themselves in the mirror. And the answer is what I, I thought was probably the answer is they needed the money. UB was probably paying them fairly well. I mean, not really, really well, but you know, these guys were probably broke. Probably, they needed this money, and they didn't want to lose that position. It, it just wasn't worth it to them to take a moral stand against UB. So here's Sean, he's claiming Sean Rice actually um, actually brought it to Russ and said he wants to keep his job, and that he doesn't want to have to quit here. <laughs> And he doesn't want to be fired or, you know, he, he just wants everything to stay as is and keep having that money rolling every month. Now, we don't know for sure if Sean Rice really said this. Maybe Russ is making it up, but I would have to guess that this is probably what he said. And I, I have to say that uh, I, I think that this was probably the prevailing attitude among UB pros, that they knew they were representing a shady company, but wanted the money to keep rolling in. And in fact, in this case, Russ is claiming Sean wanted this quiet so he wouldn't lose his job. So we can keep the status quo. Sean Rice called. That's what you heard talking on the phone yesterday. I wonder if there's been a guy called Whiskey or Whizzy or somebody's person that they, this person sent it to. He's the one that called Sean. He's the one that called Sean and said, Sean, I just want to let you know I've got some information sent me here. And it's, it's like he said, go into security and have blow up and show you. He was he bubbled a tournament or something in Aruba that this person won an Aruba tournament, a ten thousand dollar package. So that's somebody sent this person whiskey or whiskey or whiskey or something like that. I don't know who that person They won't tell us that. He won't tell us that. But he did tell me tell me if he called it when he said it was paid. No, he won't tell us. These guys have just drugged me through. I think mean, it's only me. Yeah, it's not anybody else. It's you know, even though other people's names have been mentioned, or anything, it's all me. So we have to change that. Yeah. 
guys are going to blitz this. So uh, the suggestion from Daniel over to Russ was that you don't get directly involved. You kind of try to muddy the situation and make it look like a, a number of people c- could possibly be responsible. And he said, oh, no, no, the Internet guys, they're, they're going to blitz this. They're going to blitz it, blitz it, blitz it. So uh, Russ, is, Russ apparently must have been reading every single post on 2 Plus 2 and was very disheartened at how uh, aggressive everybody on there was regarding... Uh, Tearing apart all the the stupid excuses, and Russ knew that if they were going to fool the internet guys, that uh, you can't just give some uh, general excuse like a um, you know we don't know or uh, a number of people had access. That you, they're going to br- they're going to blitz it. He said, so you got to come up with a better plan. Well, so not at the, if it came out that you know Travis was renting this house, it came out that you know he had access to all these emails. That's true. You can create the sense of doubt. But then that's really what you're doing is what we said, putting the blame on him. That's what, that's not directly. Not directly. Yeah. So, so here's where they, they hatched the plan. I guess they've discussed this before. I, I'm not sure if this is the same part of the tape we played last week at this point, but uh, again, the talk about framing Travis, and here they're saying not directly, but really put it in people's heads that he was probably the one who did this. And of course, Travis is the one releasing these tapes, so of course... Travis is trying to release the tapes here that really, really make it look like that they are framing him. And and they were. I mean, it's very clear from here that they, they did want to frame him. It, it looks like they never really fully went through with that, aside from uh, releasing his name and his relatives' names at that one point. But uh, they, they never fully went with framing him. I think this is before that uh, before Russ was really fully implicated in this, when these tapes were made. But uh, that was probably the initial plan, was to make it look like Travis did it without directly saying he was. I see. Okay, it's too high. Let's do it directly. But if we have other people posting, they believe that it was him and that uh, he had the you know, ability to do it. Some people saying, you know, I know Russ Hamilton. It might be a good camera. No computer geek. He did not do this. Yeah, so this, we played this last week in flat. In fact, I remember this line about uh, he's no computer geek. He's a good gambler, referring to Russ, but he, he didn't do this. Yeah, you know, of course, leading people to Travis, who is the computer geek. No way. He's got all his capabilities. So we're really going to do it in an roundabout way of putting the blame on him. Yeah. What we need to do is get a lot of pictures and names up that it's him. Like, what do you tell Travis to leave town or something? I mean, this is really straight out of uh, uh, almost like a, a mob crime uh, show about Vegas, about to leave town. And, and what they're saying is, uh, it, it sounds like that from that line there, I know Travis is releasing this to make himself look innocent, but unfortunately, this. This part right here, 
is indicating that they're not looking to just blindside Travis with this, but almost like that they're going to be letting Travis know that he's going to be blamed and give him something for it, but to leave town so no one can question him too much. And I know that's not what Travis wanted anyone to get out of this, but uh, that's what it sounds like is being planned here. I know this plan never fully came to fruition because uh, Russ, there was so much evidence against Russ that it wasn't worth doing. But this this was the initial plan here, was blame Travis, have him kind of take the fall, but not directly admit to it and not ever directly say it was him, but strongly imply it was him and then have him leave town and probably give him some kind of settlement. Interesting uh, thing that this Daniel guy is floating to, to get someone who's already posted about this sort of thing to to bring out the Travis stuff to give them more credibility. You know, kind of someone like me. They didn't name me, of course. I I don't believe I'm named any of this stuff, but just you know, uh, a person like me to show up who's who not just have some new user show up out of nowhere and say, "Hey, look at this about Travis," but have have somebody who's known maybe be fed this information to to put out there, which is. Interesting. By the way, in our chat, uh, Rolla Tomasi said the Sandy they're referring to is Sandy Butler. We could even maybe have this guy on. these tapes who exactly they're talking about, but they're talking about someone who they're bribing to keep quiet, who was trying to ask Russ for money. He was claiming he didn't have the money here. He's claiming he's telling the guy who's asking for money that he didn't have the money. It wasn't clear if they're referring to what they said was Dodo. That was brainwashed Dodo who posted information on uh, on 2 Plus 2 uh, that really broke open the UB part of the UB and AP scandal. Uh, or if it was uh, somebody else 
you'll, you'll hear Dodo referred to, and that's who they're talking about. But uh, I'm not sure if Dodo was the one they're talking about bribing. But he said he's got him on the hook for two years, and, and Daniel was saying, you know, keep him for six months. He said, no, no, I got him for two years, meaning he's, they've paid him for two years of silence. I think they're, they're referring to uh, Brainwash Dodo as the one that was paid for two years, but I'm not 100% sure from this tape because it was a little bit uh, hard to hear during that part. I can't pay him the money he's wanting. I can't pay him for six months. I can't do it. Now, six months, we pay him over this next few months, and then we can stop. Oh, I can't stop. There's stuff he's got that's... So he's saying it was pay them for six pay him for a few months and then stop. And he's like, No, 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 the stuff he's got he'll just he'll just release it at that point. It's it's too good a stuff to just let him only ha- be paid for a few months and then release it. We do, we don't want to stall a few months, we wanna at least have two years. Listen, me, but it doesn't matter. The stuff if he was the poster was paid back is not good. Here's what I worry about. Let me tell you what I worry about. It's not the paid back stuff. And, and so he's talking about the paid back stuff. So it sounds like he's actually talking about what people were paid back and how the number is wrong. That's just my guess what he means by the payback stuff. And we'll talk, we'll say anything, talk about this way. It's not the paid back stuff. It's all paid back and that stuff. Some of these screenshots he's given me, he doesn't know what he's got with a lot of this stuff. But he's got it and he would post it. He quit paying it. And I've made a two-year deal with him. I've got, I've got to give him 50000 I didn't have fifty. I took, I gave him... I, I took a level with me, and I borrowed nine in Costa Rica, believe it or not, from some people. That's all I, I mean, I dug everything I could. Painting 20, Travis is going back to 30. But David's going to lend me 30 to take drink. Travis is lined up tonight. And then I've got to get him 10000 a month for a year and 5000 It comes up to like 120000 180000 over the course of two years. But he's got stuff on it, and this is what worries me, and this is what worries Sandy. Paid back, bad, play on Travis, that's fine. There's these transfer records in there. All these transfers is where... Transfer is like not no, good, and he's got transfers of he's got transfers in there. Me back and forth with Lyle Berman's name a lot, Freddie Deeves, all these transfers. He's got the he's got the records in there where it's transferred from Jim Ryan to me to put into transfer accounts to transfer. It's from Jr. It's administration stuff. It's administration stuff that started way before all this started even. So uh, so what he's saying here, I'm not 100 percent sure. Why Russ is so worried about this? But he's saying that uh, what this guy has, assuming it's uh, brainwashed Dodo, he's talking about, uh, has transfer records including Lyle Berman, Freddie Deeb, Jim Ryan, and he's claiming the Jim Ryan transfers had nothing to do with the super user transfers, but it was just about uh, paying bills for the server and all that. But that that's going to be grouped in there along with this, and that all these people are going to get blamed. Now I I don't see why Russ Hamilton who's not exactly the type you would think is worried about other people getting unfairly blamed. I mean, he's just not a good guy. Uh, why would he care so much about this? Why is this such a big deal to keep this person quiet to where Lyle Berman and Freddie Deeb and Jim Ryan aren't blamed? So I, I'm not sure what it, why this concerns Russ so much, but uh, that is what he's very worried about, he's saying. And we're referring to uh, uh, Jim Ryan, who, who, who was uh, president of, of the UB. We would send to... Pay host payments. It even says in here, pay host payments. It's unbelievable. To Shaw, Shaw over to administration, administration pay host payments. It's unbelievable all the stuff that's in this stuff. He doesn't know everything in sure, and you can't stop paying this guy in six months. Now, my guy didn't want to even pay him anything. If, that, if, that, if, if this stuff would have gone on the internet, they would have just made shambles and all this. The transfers is what worries Sandy that... The government's not going to get involved if it's paid back. There's who's hurt. Everybody's got paid. All this, it'll go away. So he's talking about now, and I think this might reveal. I missed this the first time I listened to the recording, but um, 
he, I think he's worried here about the government getting involved. He, I think he's worried about going to jail. He said the government's not going to care so much about the payouts. You know, everyone get paid back who got hurt is what he's trying to say. Like, uh, he, he doesn't think anyone's going to get in trouble for the cheating as long as everyone got paid back, as long as, long as everyone got made whole, which, which is a – I mean, that might be true, and the government never did get involved in this sort of thing. But, uh, um, of course, if you just steal from someone and then give them the money back when you're caught stealing, that doesn't absolve you of the stealing. You you still uh, are a criminal who stole, and you were still free-rolling them until they caught you. But uh, aside from that, that, that's that's what Russ wasn't all that concerned about. He was saying that uh, Sandy, who uh, Rola Tomasi says is Sandy Butler, was worried about these transfers, and somehow that's going to get the government interested. Put the blame on somebody, but these transfers and money that they go transfer around stuff, and they... You know, where's it going? Oh, my God, and there's so many transfers with people like Lyle Berman's and back and forth from back to the office and then paying hospital. Well, what were you guys doing? You're paying payments from winning money online or something? There's the stuff he's got. It's not good. It's not good. Yeah, I think you have to let Travis take the blame. But you got to keep this guy paid. i got to keep the building. i got to go through two years. The, the second year's not bad. It's 5000 a month. So that that's the end of the first tape here. I think it's the end. I think the rest is dead air, yeah. So that's the end of the first tape. Interesting stuff here for sure. I, I think they're talking about brainwash dodo, definitely talking about the uh, the bribes for this person and why it's so important to keep them quiet for two years. And and if you do remember Brainwash Dodo did just vanish after dumping a lot of info on two plus two. Uh, nobody knows for sure. Uh, nobody knows for sure who Brainwash Dodo is. It was assumed for some time it was a person named Zoltan Rosa, but now some people are saying that it was not Zoltan Rosa. And uh, maybe his identity is still unknown. So maybe we'll we'll ask uh, a little bit later on, on our phone call with, with the UB programmer uh, if he has any idea who this might be, this Brainwash Dodo. Uh, let's move on to the next tape. Uh, this is what's referred to as tape number nine. I agree that we should be planning on it. You know, it's not a liability, but after we pay back the players, maybe a way that we can extinguish that liability. We can talk about the difficulty. And he did tell me. He did, Dodo did tell me. He said, if you want me to help you post something, you tell me. He's, that's what he told me. That's the guy that we're talking about. So, so you know, we can... Uh, you know, we have good contacts with you do Yeah, there's all sorts of... Let's, let's just keep them on the hook. For well, I'm, I'm going to make sure I know, though. Here's what I've done. I've I'm, I'm made sure one thing. I've learned in my life one thing. You can listen to them. They can tell you they're going to do this. But I've for sure... Dodo and this Mac, the guy that started all this. I don't know what his reasons are or why. I never threatened him either. He went on there and posted that. I called Buff Magazine and said, you've got an owner that's... Uh, so I imagine Buck caught it, but he never did tell me it was a Russ Hamilton that's right now. They probably said, you own 1% you're out. So anyway, I've got Nat, I've got Dodo, and I've got this trampoline, all three of them. Good. Emails being, well, I'm going back two months and getting everything, and everything going forward, so I know everything they're talking to. So those three guys, I know everything they're doing. So he, he seems to be claiming here that he was in contact with this brainwashed Dodo, a trampoline who was uh, cheated uh, by the admission of, I think, uh, someone who was on one of the other tapes for, that he got cheated for 177000 and uh, and some third person that he, quote, knows everything they're doing. Like, Rest was talking with them 
and uh, pretending to be concerned and hearing what they were doing and what their steps were next. So he he was uh, like, almost like a spy. Excellent. And if there's anybody you guys want, I have a connection like the person at Interpol that can get everything by himself. Whatever you want, if you want it, tell me what you want. I don't know. So, well, the biggest thing is I don't know an email that I haven't checked. Yeah. I'm checking trampolines all three. I got all three of his. I'm, I'm checking that, and I'm checking this dodo guy. But this dodos could be one that you just made up just to send back and forth. I don't know how good that is. But, but, right. those, but those three, I am, I am going back. I'm going back like two months. So he's saying that he's checking, I, I believe, in the UB database. Uh, with the emails that he was getting, you know, he, I guess he was conversing an email with with Dodo and with uh, with Trampoline, and then was entering their emails in the UB database to try to figure out who these people really are, and um, and, and trying to figure out who, who is the leak that's giving these people the information, but claims that he thinks that probably brainwashed Dodo just made up a, a, a throwaway email to communicate with him there and didn't relate it to his uh, UB account or anything else. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, but now I'm trying to figure out what's, what's behind this. Why? What's the reason somebody sitting out here on a mission? I don't know. I think it could be damn. We're really, we're really into something here that's really getting ready to be really big with our company. Now, what's interesting here is uh, Russ is still delusional enough to believe that that UB is going to really still blow up huge, and he's going to talk about the things that they're into, and the company is going to really blow up, and they just need to control this. We have a TV show starting. They're going to announce it next week on Fox TV. News Corp. You know, murdered Rupert Murdoch. News Corp. We 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 have News Corp behind us. They took Poco from zero to a million point five customers in one year period. Uh, News Corp is starting to advertise next month. Uh, Fox TV, we, we're filming on September 8th. Next first show's on TV the 15th. It's called Club WPT on TV. The only way you win your seat, all Rupert's, all News Corp's people are advertising. Go to Club, Club WPT. We're giving them a $7 filling price. They're giving News Corp $4 of it. It's huge. It's fucking, this could be like a seven, eight hundred thousand customer site overnight. It's so big. I mean, News Corp is huge. News Corp advertises in the magazine, newspapers, or TV. They own Fox. I think Pureplay could have even said, go blast Ross Hamilton, because we took this from them. They were ready to make a deal with News Corp, and, and Fox, because we were doing this TV show, and the World Public Tour got it in, said, let's just do the whole thing. Let's do the whole News Corp thing. So, and when I get done, I promise whoever this is, please tell me, I get done with this, and, and, they, and I promise you we're going to make this into a huge company. This News Corp thing, I'm going to pay everything back to everybody, I promise. Whoever says they, yeah, whoever I, says I owe them money, I'm going to. No, you do this first thing with all of us, some good stuff. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, but I'm going to go back to the people that have had to take some losses here right now. I will go back to these people. We, the thing we can't let know is, this thing that happened, I did, was really fucking dumb. The thing with this early stuff with the company and being host payment stuff, that can't ever get up. That's got fucking stuff. No, you, know, you uh, the thing that you did, though, uh, really, like, you have too much trust in this person, Travis. Yes. Uh, you had a sensation that some things were wrong. Yes. So he's already complaining that, uh, this Daniel guy complaining that Russ put too much trust in Travis. <laughs> Apparently so, because Travis got all of these tapes. But, uh, never acted on it. That's your fault. 
you you vouch to the company on Travis. I paid I paid Tom McAvoy fifty thousand to check out Neil Neil thinking everything was okay. So. That's interesting. He paid Tom McAvoy fifty thousand to check out Travis. Sounds like that's what he's saying there. I guess that's how Travis. Uh, I guess that's how Tom McAvoy is getting by when he's not winning the last uh, thirty years. Uh, and then now the reason that you're helping out with this thing is because you feel guilty. That was your responsibility to. Uh, uh, okay, I. That's not giving enough explanation. So, 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 so really, we are going to put the blame on Travis through a roundabout way of other people being the word out before they make a release. Let us, and the release has to be consistent with the fact that. And you know what? Here- so they're they're setting up the story here that uh, that Russ is getting involved in being the good guy is uh, Russ being the good guy because uh, he feels guilty that he brought Travis into this whole thing, which of course isn't true. But that's that, that was going to be the story they were going to float. Why Russ is helping out so much with this? What I told Sean Rice on on, a, on the phone yesterday, I said, Sean, I can't say nothing. I don't know. I said, they're doing an investigation, not me. But I can tell you one thing, and they've let this go. How they let it go, it's the most important thing of all. It proves I didn't do it. I said, they've let it go. But that address that they linked me to that I owned the house and where that accountant who was there, that's the whole secret. They've let it go. I said, they let it go and didn't go no farther. But I said, that's I said just keep that between me and you. So that was Sean Rice. Yeah, but you could even, I think it's safe for you to say, look, I do own my house. I do. I rent Travis lived there. I do, but Travis does live there. I rented it. Travis does live there. I haven't lived there for three or four years. I don't know. Plus, any playing from the office that's playing by the fact that he worked in the office. Travis had all my accounts. He had everything. He paid my bills. He did everything for me. He, he knew, he had every, ongoing, the, there's the, couple of counts that we've got to explain that he did it as a buddy-buddy thing. This is the bad thing. But you, here's the thing you have to, to make known. There's players... At- okay, so that's the end of tape number nine. Uh, the, the house they're referring to uh, is an address that uh, was com- that was linked to one of the accounts that was used to cash out a lot of the cheating money. And that's where Travis McCarr's name first came up years ago, way before he came up, came out uh, on the radio two years ago on, on Donk Down. Uh, way before that happened, when he blindsided our show, uh, we only knew his name as someone involved with the cheating who was helping Russ cash out, and that one of the houses that you know that had an address connected to one of the accounts that cashed out uh, was a house there that was owned by Russ Hamilton that Travis was renting. So here they're they're setting this up to say Travis is renting that house. Uh, he's the one living there. He had access to everything. He did it. And and obviously, this was being released by Travis just now, so we can hear this and we can say, oh, okay, well, Travis was innocent. Here's Russ and other people talking about framing him. And I, be- I do believe these conversations took place. I do believe that uh, they were planning to frame Travis, but what this still doesn't answer is how guilty Travis actually was or wasn't in this whole thing. We still don't know that. And obviously Travis is never going to release any tapes that make him look bad, uh, nor will he, uh, at least not knowingly, uh, nor will he admit to those sorts of things. Uh, Obviously here, we hear that it wasn't Travis or mainly Travis or anything. Otherwise Russ would be saying here, hey, you know, Travis is the one that did it. Let's make it known. Here they're talking about framing him. But you can still frame someone who's somewhat guilty and just make them look more guilty. You know, it's almost like uh, um, if you're with me, if, if I bring you along to help me kill someone and I pull the trigger and you're just there to uh, to help me to be an accomplice and then I kill the guy 
and then I talk about framing you for it. That doesn't mean you weren't an accomplice to murder. That just means you didn't actually pull the trigger. You weren't the main murderer. You were just the accomplice to murder, and I'm making you look like you were the trigger man. But that doesn't mean you're innocent, and I'm afraid that could be the case here. Uh, these, the, By the way, some of you are wondering where these tapes came from. As I said, I believe that these were secretly taped by Russ and uh, acquired by Travis in some way without Russ's knowledge or permission. Here's tape number 10. I was more interested. I heard some, some, something that there was something on the blog about his wife. Oh, yeah. Okay. That was... Yeah, one question my attorney and Tom asked you is a Russ is already complaining here that the people who are, quote, writing these blogs, referring to the ones who are uh, investigating this whole thing with UB, are ones who either don't play or, or play micro limits or play play money. And he's complaining that these people don't have a right to be writing these blogs, that uh, you know they weren't high-stakes players themselves. They didn't get cheated themselves. I think that's uh, – Haley is probably one of them he's referring to here, Haley Hintz, who – uh, is more of a poker journalist than player. She plays also, but you know she wasn't a high-stakes player, to my knowledge. Uh, but uh, he's talking about the people writing these blogs. They're trying to say that uh, a small percentage, a very small percentage of the of the poker public is fully aware of what's going on, but that they could uh, spin a, a believable story to everyone else who doesn't follow it all that closely. I don't, I don't know. Uh, what is the my attorney asking me? Just curious. You tell me, but I just want to make sure. Oh, by the way, earlier they also made reference to Pearson's wife. Uh, that refers to a story that uh, I think dates back to 2001, a long way back where Greg Pearson's wife was uh, involved in some sort of sex scandal, I think in Port- Portland, Oregon, with a, um, a student who was like 17 years old, a male student. Like there, there was some sort of sex scandal involving Greg Pearson's wife, and the... A theory that's been floated, this has never been proven, was that uh, the cheating originally started to help pay for Greg Pearson's wife's legal defense uh, to this whole thing. This was, oh, she was a teacher, I guess. Uh, there, this was never proven, but this is one theory, because the cheating started right around the same time as Pearson's wife was having these legal issues. So that they made some reference to Pearson's wife here, and then talking about bloggers, probably referring to those stories. You didn't want to meet with him, so we could also go and talk to him, and the purpose of that was... Yeah, no, we'll go through that. Okay. So anyway, let's... Uh, Maybe I left my computer at home, I didn't bring it, so I don't know if it's anything you need to... I don't know if you water or water. I had it on because I was amusing myself. I don't, I don't know that I don't have any documents, because I used to confectuate them. Okay, so this is what I thought we'd do, is... Uh, first, we do an overview all together. And uh, go through those questions. Give me an update on the steps. Uh, give me an update on everything. I talk. That's good. Give me an update on uh, you know, just a couple we have in Arizona. We think and ideas, uh, just ideas on a strategy for us. 
They're referring to a mole in Yuri's office, the Yuri Kozai, and uh, they, they're still trying to figure out how this information was getting out. The, the information about uh, all the transfers and everything else they were talking about earlier. So the stuff that Brainwash Dodo posted on 2 Plus 2. So they're referring to uh, the attorney and the advice he's given. So I guess they were tulting, uh, consulting attorneys throughout this whole thing, and that, that so far they're very happy with their attorney's advice that he, he's been right on so far. So they, he doesn't want, this is, uh, again, Daniel talking. Uh, he's, he's frustrated that Greg is not there right now, uh, but uh, but at the same time does not want Russ and Greg to be seen discussing this because it would look really bad. He doesn't want the two of them connected. Uh, okay. The next go on the status of the forums thing. So they're still continuing to be very noisy. No, it's uh, slowed down to the right. They slow down, but it's... What we need to do, I mean, ideally, we'd like to create a uh, reasonable doubt in that, you know, over time, wants to come out that maybe it's not us. If there is a, uh, another person, Travis, and it's, you know, who rented one of Russ's house and paid bills for us. The one name that they related on the internet to, Sandy, I don't know if you've read all the posts, it's a name named Sleepless. They tried to trace it to a Lauren McCarve, which was Travis's wife. So, the, again, that's, that's what... Uh, was out pretty much um, up until Travis appeared in early 2011. That's what was known about that family was that one of the cheating accounts named Sleepless, uh, which was used to cash out, was uh, registered to Lauren McCarr, Travis's wife, who I actually met in person. And uh, that was 
what was thought of the Mekar's involvement was that they were probably helping Russ cash out and, in fact, lived in one of the houses he owned. So the Russ is bringing this up here as this could be used to blame Travis. Which the address was the house that belonged to Russ and Carol Hamilton. That's where Travis and Lauren lived at 1725. If they'd have just done a little more research, they could have put it together that Travis lived there. But you know, and Russ went to town, but I haven't lived in that house in four years, I don't think. And so that's the next step, I think, if we get somebody to say that. But it can't be Russ. Russ is not arguing this. Russ has to stay above the brain. talking about uh, the club WBT, which was uh, associated with UB. Uh, it's, 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 it's,
you if it's our split, our split, if it's affiliates, affiliates. Uh, we, we, we believe that this, this Fox deal will take us up into the hundreds of thousands. So 100,000 is right to even. I don't know, 100,000 is profit, 35. 35,000. Yeah. That's totally legal. Right. Oh, yes. So with, with Fox... But since you're paying so much on that deal, you're probably paying We're paying zero. We're not paying anything. You're doing the split on the... No, no. You know, what we're doing, here's the way it works. Uh, our, our gross monthly revenue is $20. Our, our gross profit margin is 50%. It's round on everything. It's 15.5. We're splitting that three dollars, uh, seven dollars to 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 work focus here. And we're focusing on and Fox gets to my face. And then the media sort of puts up. And we'll focus tour and Fox pay the production and tell you. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit later, but no, I run out of one o'clock and no recruits. Okay, there's no first dollar payback. It's all based on um, their revenue share. So it works great for us. Okay, so now, so let's just jump back to this. So your positions right now are at UBTR. You're the chairman of the board, right? Well, that's not really a position. Now they're president of the, of the manager. Anyway, I'm stepping down. They're getting me out of here. I'm the manager. I mean, oh, yeah, it's an LLC. Okay, so uh, what we could do, though, is... Uh, So what they're talking about here is this, this whole thing that they're trying to do with Club WBT. And, and they're a little afraid that uh, Russ Hamilton, uh, being the president of, of, w, of the, the UBT, uh, that, that it's going to look bad. And that uh, as far as uh, raising funds for it and everything, that they're going to have Russ Hamilton just kind of, kind of a, uh, a phony step down to where he no longer has the title. Well, the chairman of World Poker Tour, he doesn't have a lot There's no way for you to uh, ever not be founder because you work so they're saying, what do we do about this, though? You're the founder. Even if you step down, you're still the founder. You, you can't not be founder anymore. So he's saying, what, what do we do to take myself out of this? Next door, Huntington Press has got a great man. I'm telling you, he's not a bad person. It's possible. And, and he's offered. Okay. So, I mean, you know. No, I think that would be smart. Yeah. And uh, if they ask you why, I think you can say, uh, uh, I'm just stuck, stuck inside because it's, uh, you know, it's somebody, this is a person who's better at managing a company. I'm not good at managing well, I'm, I'm good at starting it. I got an idea. He's a businessman. He's took Huntington Press to this, and uh, they're huge. And you know, this is his job. My job's done. I, I I've started. Uh, I think that might be smart. Only because if anybody ever starts to grill you on this thing, first you say, you know, look, there's no evidence this is Russ. There's nothing Russ would like to do more than post some statement saying that it's not him and why. However. So, so they're already planning for the future in case this ruins the club WPT for them, and uh, and then they're saying if, if there's ever questions about Russ about uh, you know why hasn't he come out and said it's not me uh, that his lawyers advise him not to that that uh, 
Russ would love to come out and make a statement, but his lawyers have said, sorry, Russ, don't make any statements. Just uh, please keep quiet. to see that it's Travis. What he's referring to here is uh, someone who used to play, uh, I don't know what her name was, I'm forgetting what her name on UB was. I actually played with this person he's talking about. Uh, uh, this was someone who used to play on, on Planet Poker, of all things, as Dr. S. I believe her name is Lisa Stark. And um, she was actually a medical doctor, believe it or not. And she actually gave up her medical profession and, and, and became a prop on UB and was also the manager of the prop players on UB. I don't know how much she was paid, but um, she came forward on the forums. That's what he's referring to, saying that uh, she was the prop manager and that she was reporting directly to Russ Hamilton. And this is when they're they're trying to formulate how to describe Russ's association with UB. And and he's saying, what well, what well, we have one problem here. This this Lisa's coming forward now and saying that she was reporting to me. And, and he's saying this wasn't even true. He's saying that uh, she never reported to him at all. But that's who he's referring to, this Elisa Stark. I don't remember her name anymore. I, I wish I remember her name on UB. I remember playing with her on UB. I just don't remember the screen name she used. But uh, I actually met her before. Uh, funny little story about this Lisa. She was a very strange woman. She was, uh, when I met her, I'd say it was about uh, six or seven years ago. And she was in her 40s. And she had a boyfriend who was really, really young. Like a 23-year-old-looking boyfriend. Really, really odd-looking couple. She was kind of like a 40-something-year-old woman with kind of like a strange look to her. And she had this, like, boyfriend who looks like he's like a senior in college. Very odd. People were commenting about it at the table. Also, to give up a medical profession to be a low-paid prop on UB. But whatever. Uh, Russ is complaining about her post, which I remember. That's sort of the host program. I never did that. Yeah. Right. And you come out, what you'd say is, uh, I'm just saying, oh, I didn't. You, 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 know, what I, you, you, say, you know what I did with this girl? You could say is that, yes, I helped out Mansour. Mansour ran this. I don't have to say that. I this poker site. He called me from time to time asking questions about poker, how tournaments work, and how, you know, general questions about poker. But I certainly didn't run the process. You know what I did with this girl? I tried to help this girl. She was a drug addict. She's a druggie. I would try and get her to a drug clinic, trying to get her to go to rehab. Got her into rehab once or twice. I mean, I tried to help this girl online and talk to her. Everything and then she goes post this. I just... <laughs> well, I guess we might have an answer as to what happened to her medical career, if that's true. <laughs> I answered her. I said, I'm from Munster, man, let me... Jesus Christ. Okay. All right, well, let's take a break now because I have a bunch of these other stuff. 
you look at that. You need, to, you need to keep the books office in. Split those babies out. You need to keep the books office? Um, you know, he's got a... Well, my office? Do you have a printer? I have a printer right here on my desk. A printer as far as going under the computer and logging in and printing? Yeah. Right here on my desk. There's a cable connection. There's a cable connection here. Okay, so uh, that's the end of tape 10, that riveting, riveting discussion about uh, Russ's printer. This tape might be the most interesting one, the last one, number 11. And I'll uh, put that on, and then we it's uh, 11 minutes long. And then we'll end this seg- segment and move on to the next segment and call up UB programmer Jack Bates, get his reaction to all this. Hopefully he's listening. Russ, I'm not sure if this is Daniel talking or someone else, but I forgive you, Russ. Nobody would be given this tool that you were given and not do what you did. <laughs> you forgive him, because yeah, who wouldn't cheat if they had access to whole cards? So you're an okay guy, Russ. You just did what any human would have done: is steal from everybody. again with the uh, 50000 that Greg paid to get his wife off of the trouble she was in. I guess giving some strength to that theory. Um, also, interesting thing said there, I don't know if it's true that Annie Duke had access to looking at people's whole cards, but with a five-minute delay, that she didn't have access to the tool that did it in real time. Which, of course, wouldn't help with the cheating because if it's five minutes behind, uh, the hand's already over by then. I assume you're not recording this. <laughs> so it, it was Russ recording this, by the way. He lied. What a shocker. Uh, 
referring to Jim Ryan. I don't know, he said. Didn't say no. Didn't say yes. He's, he's not sure. He thinks thinks he did, but he's not sure. I think he was just, I got on the thing, Greg had just told me from the beginning. Honestly, I want to be the professional book player. I don't want to be there. Well, why would I send money over to play close parents and stuff that he knew? And why would I sponsor guys that he knew that were getting money to go play on TV and low level stuff? I don't know. I, I, I can't answer that. I don't understand that the million used to pay crypto. I refer. I, I assume they're talking about Crypto Logic, which is a separate network. I used to play on there all the time, but I, I never knew Crypto Logic and UB had any association. Unless it's a different crypto, but uh, maybe somebody can shed some light on that one. The million used to pay crypto. Monsoor didn't know. Um, Monsoor knew about this. Monsoor actually knew about this, and this is how the money got to there. Monsoor paid those payments with us for the company. And is he willing to take the responsibility for it? Oh, God. Monsoor's blood. He's going crazy now. He's threatening everything. Do not. I told Greg this. You've got to trust me in this. He is broke. He's in another country. Can never come back because he's the one that was. He will. He can never come back. You guys, he's thinking I'll make a living. I'm hoping this business works so that he makes a little bit. He's going crazy. He's want. He said I'll go to the deep Department of Justice. He said I got records and everything. I'll turn Jim Ryan in. I'll turn Greg Christian. He says I don't. He, he he doesn't like me. He said so please. Then he's not going to do not even. Did you want to monster with this? I wouldn't go. Oh, yes. Oh, God. I'm going to do this. Oh, yeah. So, okay. Well, I explained this to Greg. Monsoor and me is not happy right now, so... So he's referring to Monsoor here. Monsoor was threatening to turn them all in and go to the DOJ and turn in Greg, and uh, he said uh, Monsoor is, quote, broken in another country. I don't know how he's broke. Uh, he owned uh, a good part of UB there, from what I heard, but uh, he claims they're not getting along very well in this tape, and... Uh, and and, he, and Russ is saying that he told Greg, back off of Mansoor, let me handle him. But he's going to be killed in Brian, honestly. Are you talking about off of Robert? Okay, okay. But he's, he's killed. Right now, he's uh, not doing well. And what Mansoor is starting to do now is the devil's thing. I'm starting to play poker now. He can't play poker. <laughs> he's saying Monsoor can't play poker. He's doing the dumbest thing, and he's, he's trying, starting to play poker again. He's not doing well, and the, that's the last thing he should be doing. He's playing poker, even though he, uh, even though he won the World Series main event, admittedly back when it was a much smaller event than it is now, much much smaller. But uh, he can't play poker, says Russ. Travel to the Philippines and to know what's up. Chinese place. 
I guess uh, Rolla Tomasi saying something I didn't know that uh, Mansoor sold his shares early on, and that's probably why he was broke. So, all right, so that's basically all I can do. And this isn't going anywhere, but that's where it is. So, uh, Craig, Craig played the thing. I had to get him off. I said, Craig, you're a complete idiot. You can't play this thing. You have no idea what you're doing. Get off of it. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, it's it. Yeah. Okay. We, did, we didn't have money. We were, uh, no, I yeah. I'm still with that. Uh, so it sounds like what they're talking about there was an implication of Greg in the cheating, uh, at least a little bit, that, that Greg was uh, was using the account. This sounds like what they were referring to there, that Russ was saying to Greg, you don't know what you're doing, get off, referring to probably using the cheating tool and that he doesn't know the proper way to do it. I mean, if you think about it, somebody who isn't really much of a poker player, so Greg Pearson was in charge of, of the security of UB, he wasn't. Uh, he wasn't a poker player. So if you take someone who's not much of a poker player, and say, "Here, you can see the guy's whole cards. Now, now go ahead and cheat." Uh, the person probably won't do it very well to where they won't be detected. It, it takes a good poker player, at least an experienced poker player, to be able to cheat convincingly if they can see whole cards. Now, most of the people listening to this broadcast probably would have the skills to cheat at least somewhat convincingly. But, like, let's say I, I gave a cheating tool to my dad, and, and my dad wouldn't cheat, but let's say I gave it to him and, and said, here, use this to cheat at poker. My dad understands how poker works, but he doesn't know the strategy. So he would not be good at cheating with such an account without being obvious about it just because he doesn't have the experience playing poker. Whereas if you gave it to me, well, again, I wouldn't actually cheat, but if I, if I did, I could do it really, really convincingly because I have a lot of experience playing poker. So I think that's what he's saying here, that he, he told Greg, get the hell off the account, because uh, you don't know what you're doing here. Leave it to the experts. And uh, and by the way, that's the, as Rolla Tomasi saying in the chat, that's, that's why it was caught so quickly on AP when Scott Tom was doing it. And I can tell you from personally playing against Scott Tom on the Grey Cat account on AP, uh, they were terrible at uh, cheating convincingly. Whereas someone like Russ, who has a lot of poker experience, could do it, uh, still win way too much. They, they, no, nobody did it right there, to be honest, but Russ was, at least was better at it. Well, and this we can say that's our quick for Dr. Sandy, because she basically applies on this, make sure that what you don't say is that you're still everybody. Oh, Russ, there's nothing covered. Everybody asked us, you guys, you know, like, like uh, I'll tell you what really helped us here. You need to go listen to it. I'm going to com, the radio show says, Larry Green's Dr. Russ Hamilton. I wouldn't go do the show. The attorneys all advised me not to do it. But my attorney, you, being I stand, everybody. But when I told Barry Greenspan, everybody just kept going on. Sure, I had to kill something. I let Barry come in here and talk to me. I said, now, what I tell you, Barry, if I tell you, you can't put this on, you can't. If I tell you, he did the greatest good interview you've ever heard. Hard questions coming. He said, you know, when I went to see those Hamilton, he said, I have a different opinion than what I love. So he's praising Barry Greenstein for giving him credibility that he did a, an interview. Remember that he he uh, he talked with uh, Barry, and then Barry at one point said, now infamously, I don't think Russ Hamilton was involved in the cheating. At first I thought he did, now I don't think he was involved anymore. So he's he's very proud of the meeting he had with Barry, that he tricked Barry, and, uh, and that Barry gave him good PR in that way. 
He said, I went in, I read him, I listened to him. He didn't, he didn't swear, he didn't do nothing, he answered questions. I understand what these things were that these people are talking about. And he said, you guys need to let this investigation get through. And when it's done, then we'll get all the answers from them. They'll let them know. So that's what they're waiting for is the thing to finish up now. And when he did that, this thing slowed down to a period. He did a really, you need to go listen to it. PokerRoad.com. <laughs> that's like an advertisement. PokerRoad.com. They help... Get the suspicion away from Russ Hamilton and slow down the discussion of UB to a crawl. Congratulations, PokerRoad.com. Congratulations, you helped save Russ Hamilton, at least for a short time. And you listen to the interview from Barry Greenstein for Russ Hamilton. It's at the end of the thing, like the last 15 minutes. Now, the guy here, he tries to be rough, and Barry's really... He went that clip from Barry, somehow we got to get people to post in the forums. Yeah. He said, I went to visit him, and when I left, I had a completely different opinion than when I went there. A completely different opinion than when I, from when I went there. So, uh, and he says, you guys are talking about all this money, and the money to Freddie B, and the money to these guys. He said, these are transfers. I do them every day myself. He said, we all do them. Every poker site does them. There's nothing there. There's nothing that says Russ Hamilton did anything right now. Let this come out and prove what happens, you know. They admit that something happened and it was compromised. Let it go. You don't know. And the biggest thing of all is they linked the one thing. They linked the name Warren McCarthy and the name Sleepless to an address that Russ Hamilton owns. I do want it. Travis Rents, if you know where it is. He lives in the house. I even told, I told uh, Sean Rice yesterday, and Sean, there's one thing that they didn't pick up on. The biggest thing about it, when it's all over, they'll understand. I said, but they didn't pick up on it. There's something in that address with who lived there that they didn't pick up on. I said, don't tell anybody, just let it work that. So even shots that you know about this, with the story with Carlson. There's all kinds of emails that I've got to get collision on the internet. That's taken forever. I can get them later. Carlson and Greg and Greg back to Shaw or me. Oh, not to me. What do you need to do? I can't. I can take it. I'm letting you know he needs to tell Arnelson. I don't know who Tom Arnelson is, but I just keep him quiet because he, 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 he must be the one that made all the, the he must have been the one that upgraded it every time he needed to be upgraded. Never got to send it to me, by the way. That's such a trial. Oh, yeah, though. Uh, now, of course, uh, Todd Barlson is the one who was sending those zip files uh, to Greg Pearson to give to Mansoor uh, with the ability to see the whole cards. This, uh, this God mode, divinebet.zip, gm.zip, standing for God mode. So they're asking what's up with Barlson. Now, the, the general accepted belief right now is that Todd Barlson was innocent and uh, was just doing... He didn't think he was helping out cheating. He thought he was helping send this uh, these tools in order to catch cheating. It was a security tool. It got sent to Travis and it got sent to Shaw. Yes, it's from Greg Zima, so I've got to get these deleted up there. And I, I can go back to you know, I've got somebody that, that's got a higher position. I, let me have that. You just write to me. I need that for my information. Oh, okay. I can yeah, keep this for my information. You, you can write it. But I'll talk right now. I don't care. I'm going to pay back everything so it doesn't matter. I don't care. 
So I think they're talking here about uh, making it look like Russ does not have stock in Capsa or an Iovation, which is Greg's company. I think they're trying to make it look like that uh, um, Russ didn't have to do with any of this. He he wasn't an owner and didn't have any stock in any of these uh, these companies. Uh, additional, like you know, my turtles have this stock. Yeah, he's going crazy on this. No, this is the thing I'm taking care of. So you've got two hundred fifty thousand shares of Buckeye. So it sounds like they're talking about bribing Mansoor with stock in in Iovation, maybe you know, with some of the shares Russ has to keep him quiet. Because ta- he was talking earlier about how Russ was, or sorry, Mansoor was so unhappy and threatening to go to the DOJ and threatening to turn uh, Greg in, Greg Pearson, threatening to turn in Russ, blow blow the lid off this whole thing. And now they're talking about uh, getting stock over to Mansoor, transferring to a trust account. So it sounds like Mansoor. They're saying was was blackmailing them for half of Russ's shares. He's crazy. Look, I don't give a shit. You guys are all there in the United States. You can make a living. I can't do that. I'm broke. I'm done. I'll go to the deep Department of Justice. I'll get back and ask for I can make a living. Because of Mansoor, Mansoor, so so he's claiming Mansoor was saying, "Look, I, I'm living in another country. I have no way to make a living. I'm broke. I'm totally screwed here. You guys are in the U.S. There's a million ways you could make money. I can't." I'm broke. I have no way to make a living. Time to pay me, guys. Time to give me some money. Time to give me some shares. That's that's what Russ is claiming that Mansoor said to them, and and he's saying to Mansoor, "Whoa, whoa, calm down, Mansoor. We'll we'll talk about this. Don't worry. Don't don't freak out. Don't threaten us." Well, that's what I'm saying. He goes off. You can ask Greg how he is. He just gotta. Okay. He didn't do nothing. He didn't do what I was told to do. Now. So, uh, the additional payments down the line you're going to try to do, but there's one payment, ideally, you could do. I don't know that you're basically nothing. But we owe uh, 6000 bucks to the trustee. Bring your shares into it. And do you know how much up but I've got just up? I've had crazy guys. I have to find credits. I can take it though. Honestly, I can't. What am I supposed to do? Okay, you've got no Yeah. Okay, so I, I didn't quite get what was going on at that end segment there, but a lot of interesting stuff here. So those are the tapes that were released this past week. We'll see if we get more next week. I think it's interesting stuff, even though this is all kind of in the past now. UB is done completely, thanks to Black Friday. Well, actually, thanks to them stealing all the money out of the company that got exposed by Black Friday, much like Full Tilt. But, I mean, to hear Russ Hamilton at these meetings discussing the damage control and the lies they're going to spin to the public and 
Mansoor and Greg and all these other people involved. And this is stuff we only speculated about before. Here we're not just hearing stories. We're actually hearing in Russ's own words. It's like you're there as a fly on the wall. I think it's very interesting stuff if you care at all about this story. So uh, we're going to put on now somebody who was there in the early days of UB. Very early days. Talking about Jack Bates, he called up last week. And we're going to have him on this week. So uh, he gave me his phone number. Let me uh, get this over here. I know he's in the chat room right now. Let's see here. Looks like my own site logged me out. I love when that happens. Actually, there's, there's a reason for that. The reason... You get logged out here, and that's so the site can keep track of whether you're really still online or not. Otherwise, it would just say everyone's constantly online. So that's uh, the way it does it. Just uh, if you haven't had any activity, it times you out. But uh, let me get the phone number here of Jack Bates, and we're going to call him up and get his reaction from all of this. And uh, also some other related topics. Just gotta get the phone number. Uh, where is that? For some reason, I'm having trouble. I, I had the phone number saved. Should have had this ready, to be honest. Let's see. Here we go. Got the number. Call him up right now. Jack Bates, who is in New Mexico. Let's hear what he has to say about what we just heard and uh, anything else he may know that he'd like to share with us. Hello. Let me turn off the volume here. Okay. There we go. It's off. So, so Jack, uh, what what did you think of those tapes? What, what were some of your reactions? Okay, first off, I really that I I listened to the other voice in that tape, and I tried to picture Daniel saying that stuff with that voice, and that, it just doesn't add up to me. I, I think it's someone else. Now, wasn't there a lawyer named Dan Dan or Daniel? Uh, the other thing is Daniel was really kind of particular about being called Daniel. Okay, so. Well, if he, someone he, was calling him Dan. Oh, Dan! Yeah, you're saying that. You're saying that probably isn't him. Okay, that's 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 fair. Uh, so, uh, what role, by the way? Dan, let's talk about the actual Daniel Cunningham. Whether he's the guy on the tape or not, um, who is he, and and what role did he have in the company? Okay, he. Um, the way I would describe it was he and Jason were basically co-CTOs. Okay. Um, of all you know, the, of all the people that had uh, administrative access to the production cluster, um, which that number was four, uh, and three of them being myself, Jason DeHaan, and Daniel, um, we we're allowed to be in production environment, okay? So Jason and Daniel would do things like upgrades and maintenance. 
I would do things like something isn't right, go up there and look at it and try and figure it out. Uh, um, Daniel was almost strictly, in my opinion, technical. And so when I when I hear all this business talk and strategy talk, maybe he evolved into that role. But I I'm really not putting him in these in these discussions. So, so you I'm, think you I'm think not. it was just another so, another Dan that just happens to have the same first name? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Okay. But yeah, you know, I I Greg's voice is much more distinctive. And when I heard him on the tape you played me last week, that was like okay, that's Greg for sure. Okay, but uh, this I don't recognize this voice. Okay. So. Uh, and okay, uh, who is? Do you know of any uh, uh, Scott Kurkowski? I was given that name. Do, do you know who that is? Yeah, he um, was the guy who did the entire kind of website portion of the system. Okay, and, and he had a little team. Um. So, the system was kind of broken into like soft real time gaming, which was not a website, and then the website where you know you interacted with there was you know a bunch of marketing material up there, and i I, I think that all of the um, a portion of how our payment processor stuff worked went through there, okay you would make a a request to do a deposit through the game, but the web the web would handle portions of that is how I think I remember it working there. Now, I, I didn't have much to do with that at UB. I had a lot to do with payment processing at Full Tilt Poker. Um, and so, uh, you know, Scott was a guy who wrote a bunch of PHP, which was the language that was used for the website, and did layout. And uh, the website interacted with the database. So when you logged in the website, you're using your same password that you would use to log into the game, that kind of stuff. I see. Okay, so, um, and, you know, he was younger than me for sure. Uh, you know, working there, what, I was like young 30s. Uh, he was in his mid to late 20s at the time. I see. How, how old are you now? I'm 44. Okay, so you're you're fairly close to my age. Okay, and uh, um, what what now? Uh, would you say uh, Daniel and Scott? You, did they have any involvement in in developing the uh, the that Stealth Observer tool? Scott most definitely did not. Um, yeah, I, th- so I think if he's web guy. When when the tool was developed, a, a piece of software was installed into the server, and the database was altered to specify the users. That were allowed to have stealth observer capability. Okay. That is something that Daniel and/or Jason did. That install and that database alter. I see. And what, what about uh, okay. what about Whitney Arnold and Jim Hendry? Those are the other two names I had. Did they? Uh, are they likely? Okay. To... So, stepping back for just a minute, uh, Daniel Scott worked for Daniel down in San Diego and moved up to Portland. Okay. Whitney Arnold also worked for Daniel in San Diego. She was uh, she, uh, she did not move up to Portland. Um, she uh, was part time. The big thing she did is she's in charge of all multi-table tournaments, and there's a, a portion of the software 
that she wrote that was essentially the manager for that, that, you know, when people bust out, would move players around and balance the tables and bust tables and all that kind of stuff. I see. Um, that was her main role. And so um, you asked about Jim Henry. Jim Henry uh, was essentially our QA department. And so uh, he, I believe, was an old friend of Greg's. There were a lot of friends of Greg's that were part of the, the group. Um, and uh, so, you know, he, I'm pretty sure, uh, QA'd the Stealth Observer feature. Uh, so he knew, he knew about that. He was also, you know, in all of our engineering meetings. He was in the engineering meeting that I discussed last week where, you know, there was some bad feelings about that feature. Scott Kurkowski was in all of our engineering meetings as well, although generally uh, the couple of the people that worked with slash for him were not. You know, he was kind of a, a kind of a higher level. I see. So uh, he was the, he was the only person in the web group that it was ever allowed to touch the database in any way, shape, or form. That's kind of how I'd put it. And. Um... You know, regarding the hand histories, I mean, we talked about that in the raid uh, array last week. But uh, was was there ever a uh, a backup done of the raid array? <laughs> okay, so this you know, uh, one of the big beefs I had was there was a lot of fly by night stuff going on. Okay, so by that, let me let me be clear here. Um. MySQL, we were using that as the database. It was incredibly important, all that data. I'm sure that there were snapshots taken of some of the more important parts of it, okay? But when the system was sitting there running, uh, okay, so we had this World Poker Tour Aruba and, and traffic on the site exploded, right? And uh, in order to keep up with uh, the amount of traffic into that database, um, query logs, which is kind of your first line of defense against a total database failure, were disabled in order to uh, to get that database running faster. Okay, now still, even though a lot of shortcuts were taken, um, it still wasn't running fast enough, and they, I'm sure they lost a ton of business just being uh, not being able to absorb. Uh, you know, what was flying at them through the marketing power of being a, a World Poker Tour event. Um, so, um, without those query logs, that, that's a, like I said, your first line of defense against um, database corruption, those were turned off. That When I found out about that, I was like, wow, that's that's really bold. You know, <laughs> it, it's just, you know, so, so, so was so there was no actual backup ever done of this uh, of the raid array. I I didn't deal with that. That would have been a Jason Dehan task. I'm sure he was backing up, for example, the user database, and you know, but there there's a huge accounting database that I I couldn't tell you what was being done there. Okay. Um. That that was really his world. And um, while, you know, I had database access, 
Um, I really didn't poke around in there too much. I mean, I did not want to have on my watch anyway, you know, me having been in there and something terrible happened because I'm screwed up, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, so, um, you heard on the tape a lot of talk about this brainwashed Dodo. Um, I, for a while it was theorized it was Zoltan Rosa, but then there's rumors now that that's not Zoltan Rosa. So uh, it was not revealed on the tape who brainwashed Dodo actually is. Do you have any idea who that might be and, and where he would have gotten his information? Um, I have no idea who that is. I've been accused of being an accomplice of this person in the extortion scheme that was discussed in that tape. And I can, I'd just like to say again, yeah, I didn't do that. So, um, quite frankly, you know, for a little while there, when all this broke, I I was a little bit fearful, you know. And so I don't think I'm fearful anymore. Obviously, I'm talking about it, but um, were you fearful, I would were not you fearful be in business of, of extorting these people. So, so you were no af- you were afraid maybe that they might come after you even even without extorting them. That uh, um, you're, you're saying you especially would. Well, not I have certainly gone didn't it. want rumors flying around that I was involved in that extortion. Let's put it that way. Okay. So so uh, uh, and but so you you wouldn't have any guess then who who was either who was brainwashed Dodo or who might have been helping him with information. Another theory that's been floated is brainwash data was Carolyn Heck. Okay, and I I don't believe that. Um, I don't know. I don't know anything about any Zoltan Rosa. I don't know really much about anything that happened in, in Costa Rica at all, which I know that Zoltan Rosa was supposedly a Costa Rican employee. I read it on 2 Plus 2. Yeah. So, so, so uh, uh, Carolyn Heck, you bring up her name. Uh, who is Carolyn Heck, and what was her role? Okay, well, when the company first started, how, well, who did she know that got her in the door? I, I'm not really sure. She was a very early employee, like before me. Um, uh, and so was Scott Kierkowski, you know, and, and so were all of Daniel's people. Um, she initially, like I said, Whitney Arnold wrote the, the, uh, the code to manage multi-table tournaments. Well, um, before that code was written, there was like an admin tool that had to be run to, to move people back and forth between the tables and all that kind of stuff. So it was, this is all being manually balanced and stuff like that. Um, so she started off doing that, and she was in customer service. And, you know, when all this fraud stuff started happening... She was the person who was running the tools that I wrote for fraud analysis. Now, the fraud you're referring to, is this, is so, this, uh, you're, you're talking about like credit card fraud that was going on there? I'm talking about credit card fraud, yeah. So none of this fraud that we were been talking about, the big fraud, okay? None of that, you know, I didn't know anything about that other than it was possible, okay? Um, I'm talking about organized credit card fraud rings, buying into the site, uh, dumping their chips, and then the people who own the credit cards finding out and charging back. That's what I'm talking about. So uh, real easy way to make money. You know, back back before, <laughs> when, when they first told me they were taking credit cards for deposits, I was like, are you serious? That's suicidal. <laughs> uh, you know, within two weeks of being hired. 
I, I just I was shocked that you know this is how they're doing business. Uh, it just seemed to me to be inviting massive massive fraud. Well, and it, so, it, do, it does, but uh, they, they just accept that a certain degree of fraud is going to take place, kind of like what I was discussing with PayPal earlier. Sure, sure. I mean, the, the business was so profitable that you could absorb a certain amount of fraud. Right, right. I, I think that's what they I decided. I think I heard somewhere in, in the tape today Russ saying that it's a 50% gross profit margin. Um, so one, a metric that was given to me when I worked there was that when someone puts money on the site, uh, within 30 days, half of it has been turned into rake or juice. So wow. that's remarkably profitable. That is. <laughs> no, I, I know these things are pretty much uh, licenses to print money because uh, I've always said with the the rake on these poker sites, these online poker sites, which is ridiculously high, and the reason they were able to charge that kind of rake is people were used to paying that rake live, not realizing that the expense for running these online tables is, is a tiny fraction of, of the expense of running a live table. But people are so used to paying that same rake live that they, they were willing to pay it. And uh, so that's why a lot of it went into fraud, and a lot of it went into advertising, right? Well, yeah, but a lot of it went into profit. <laughs> that's why they made so much money. It's but, true. But uh, yeah, so so anyway, getting back to to Carolyn. So, um, uh, is there anything else uh, about her that you, you mentioned to me in the uh, in a PM that you, you wanted to discuss, Carolyn, a bit? Well, I just her name's been bandied around a, a lot about this as well, and. My impression of her was she was like she took a lot of pride in destroying these fraud rings, okay? And you know, I worked pretty closely with her for a while and I just don't put her on being an accomplice to this big fraud that we're talking about tonight. Uh, it's just I don't put her there. Now, now are you sure I, that – I know you can't be 100% sure, but sometimes someone can see fraud against their own company, like by outside parties that are just uh, uh, credit card thieves, uh, as, as like an enemy that have to be beaten, but, uh, but then don't mind so much stealing from the players on there if they feel that their, their friends and business associates – associates can gain from it. I'm not saying that this was what Carolyn did, but I could actually see how someone who uh, is very dedicated to their job of, of stopping credit card thieves could at the same time steal through the uh, looking at whole cards and see this as like two different things. So, I, Well, first off, I definitely don't see Greg having given her those keys um, or whoever was in charge of distributing those keys. Like by keys, I mean, you know, the special client software, the registry key, yeah. and the username. Okay, so but yeah, I, um, I doubt that she would have cheated like directly with the. But there's a lot of other. I think there were a lot of accomplices here that still have not been named that have helped with things such as cash outs and moving money around and stuff like that without actually physically sitting at the poker table and cheating. Well, there's no question that Carolyn was involved in dealing with VIP cash-outs. I mean, uh, she was essentially director of the customer service organization. She was really into this job. She moved down to Costa Rica. Uh, you know, the, the job was her life for a while. Um, and, uh, you know, I, like I said, I'm not putting her on that. Um 
and I, you know, I'm willing to go on record and say that. that you know, there are other things that I haven't been willing to go on record about. You know, but, but you really, you really think your, your gut feeling is? That I'm not interested is... in speculating, but on the, in this case, I'm willing to speculate a little. So, so, so <laughs> your, your gut feeling here is that um, Carolyn is, so... is, is basically innocent here. I'm I'm sorry I lost you there, Drew. Are you there? Yeah, yeah. Um, can you hear me? Hello? I'm having a stupid cell phone issue. Yeah, I can hear um, you. Okay. Do you you're, to... Ask the question again. I can hear you now. So, so your so your gut feeling is that uh, Carolyn was was basically innocent. Yes, and you know Scott Kierkowski's name has been thrown out there too. That I you know same deal with him. You think, you think he's innocent too? Okay. Um, I want to ask a little bit about uh, about Greg Pearson and uh, and, and IE Logic. You, know, you were there, you know, at the beginning. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised that you actually were uh, were never offered uh, ownership in IE Logic. Right. Or, or, so or, or Scott Bell's asking this question. Um, this is a question he keeps on asking me. Let me let me explain this to you. Um, the when I arrived, there was only a very small number of people who had who were like worker bees there uh-huh. that had uh, any kind of equity position in the firm. And so when I left, um, you know, I had actually asked a couple people whether they wanted to come with me or not, and I'm pretty sure that well, okay, within 24 hours, they figured out where I was going. And uh, what do you mean by where you were going? That that put well, they knew I was going to full tilt poker. Oh, okay. I quit. So you know that was another one. You asked me last week what are all the reasons I quit. Well, I only gave you one, I, but I did mention there were a bunch. Uh, you know, I was offered a job at full tilt poker, the, and I was offered. Uh, it's not a big secret. Uh, I don't think that I was offered a small equity position there. I see. And. Um, Prior to all this, I'd been kind of agitating a little bit. The you know the worker bees here don't have any kind of equity position, and some of us are in very highly trusted roles, right? And so that to me is kind of a recipe for failure. You got people that you really, really need to trust, but you're not you know making them a part of the, the yeah you know the company yeah. So um, when I quit, you know. I'm pretty sure it might have been mentioned that I asked if some a couple people wanted to join me. And <laughs> hold on, let me back up just a minute here. Uh, okay, so the previous Christmas, everybody got a uh, everybody got a little hundred dollar bill as a, a uh, Christmas bonus. <laughs> and uh, I, I think yeah, okay. So in between that time, we had the Aruba episode. The traffic had, you know, I, I don't, I can't put a number on it, but let's say the traffic quadrupled. Yeah, we're all working our asses off, and when I gave my notice to Greg, uh, I told him, even though I had this offer from Full Tilt, that you know I'd consider staying till the end of the year and finishing a little feature I was working on. But only if you were willing to give everybody here a, a one-month salary Christmas bonus. And he said, no, nah, I was thinking a couple hundred bucks. 
and he was serious. Like, so, uh, so, so really, the, the crazy you know, bonus I, everybody got, and there. I just stared at him. It would, and I couldn't even believe what I was hearing. Like these people had like pretty much given their all for the firm that and, year, and, and they got a hundred dollars for their Christmas bonus. Well, I'm getting to that. <laughs> that was the previous year. So when I quit. All of a sudden, there was going to be a Christmas bonus, and there was going to be some equity for people, um, and that was all, however, dependent upon you signing a non-disclosure agreement, which they never made anybody sign before that, which is the reason I was able to go to Full Tilt Poker. I see. Okay, so not only do you have these really greedy people, but they're not particularly bright either. Um which people are you referring to? Anyway, uh, the people running the company, in particular, Greg. I see. And uh, um, is there anything you heard of these tapes where I was asking some questions and speculating on something or guessing at something or saying, I wonder this, where you said, oh, I know the answer to that? Is there anything that, that sticks out at you from, from there that you could expand oh, upon? I know that Rollo was putting some stuff up there, and I know he still is. Um well, the one thing I did notice is that Carolyn's name was not mentioned, uh, I don't think, in anything that I heard there. Um, I know that there was a release of some documents where uh, there's a lot of email between Carolyn and a bunch of other people moving money around. I, I looked at those, but I don't know enough to understand what the heck. Uh, Rollo's asking, who is Sandy Butler? I have no idea. I read that name in two on 2 Plus 2. After the story broke, Rolo. Okay. Maybe she came around after you were involved or just, uh, someone you did. Well, see, with. I didn't really know anything about Russ's operation or whatever he had. You know, uh, I'd met Russ while I was at UB two times, I think. And uh, that, that was about the extent of my knowledge of Russ, really. I see. Well, um, is there anything else you'd like to, uh, to to present here before we move to our, our next segment? No, um, but I'll hang around in the chat room for a little while, and you know, if something you know, Rolo's had a bunch of questions he wanted answered, I'll I'll see what I can do. Uh, oh yeah, he was asking. Okay, so there was this. You talked about some sort of five minute delay thing. Yeah, that's right, with Annie Duke okay, and the five-minute delay. Yeah, what, what was the story with that? I don't know any. I I don't know that Annie ever got the software, but, of course, everything I know about who got that software was from a discussion I had with Todd Bartleson at one point. I don't I, – and I said last week, I have no reason to believe that Annie or Phil were involved in it at all. Now, when people are talking about this five-minute delay – uh, yes, Annie was living in Portland. She moved there while I was working for the company, Rollo. Um, there was a feature we did where, you know, big poker names, let's say, uh, just picking Annie and Phil again. Annie and Phil would do a heads-up tournament, and it was live on the site, and you could watch all the whole cards, even the cards that were mucked, on a five-minute delay. That was That's the only... F that's the only five-minute delay feature. Uh, Rollo, no. That's the only five-minute delay feature that um, that I'm aware of, and 
that happened while I believe that that was a promotion we had while I was there. Um, but but you know, Russ said something about Annie having access to uh, something about a five minute delay. But uh, and that, that was, it was quickly mentioned in one of the tapes without any kind of further explanation. So uh, I'd it, have to ask some people about that. I don't that. It keeps on coming up, this five-minute delay thing. And like I said, the only thing I can remember that was a five-minute delay was this one feature for these, these head-up celebrity games that we had. Yeah, because obviously if she, if she could see this and she played actively on the site, um, that, that, that still would be useful. It's not, not anywhere near as useful as seeing people's whole cards in real time, but still, if you could see five minutes ago if your opponent was bluffing you, uh, then that can really help of how they're currently playing. Yes, uh, being I, I think that, in my opinion, cards that are mucked, some sites will let you get a hand history and see the mucked cards later. Well, no, usually right I, then you I can see I don't know them. if I like that feature. Oh, oh, you mean, well, it depends if they're mucked. You, you can always see mucked cards on, on just about all sites if it goes to Showdown. But, um, but if it didn't go to Showdown, I, I've never played on any sites where you can go back and find them. Right. Well, I call that a fold. Um and right, those right. should never be shown. Right, that's what I mean. But you know, I, just about every site, you you could always go and looked at the at, at the mucked cards in a showdown. But uh, that that was implemented for the reason that in live play, you can always ask dealer, "Can you show me all the hands that get showdown?" Hardly anyone yes. does this because it's considered rude. But since there's uh, online, the, there there isn't much that's considered rude. Pretty much all of online yeah. is rude. Is <laughs> that uh, you've um, been reading your chat room? <laughs> yeah. So 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 you don't. Uh, they and they didn't want to have to burden users with uh, with every time ask, "Hey, can I see this?" And there's no dealer who can who can show it. It's, you know, it's an automated process. So they just make it available to everybody. And uh, uh, by that looking, doesn't mean that I personally have to like it as a rule. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. Just, uh, but uh, but anyway, uh, that that's a little different. It it, it sounds like from the five minute uh, delay that that's being accused that Annie could see. Everybody's whole cards, whether they're folded or not, uh, but five minutes behind. But but anyway, you you can uh, if you find out any more, you can tell us about that. So uh, all right, yeah, I'll drop you a note if I heard about anything about that. Yeah, well, so we appreciate you coming on again here, and uh, you know, again, anything further you'd like to talk about in the future, or uh, um, yeah, you have questions you'd like to answer or whatever, you know, feel free to come back on in uh, future weeks. Well, we'd be happy to have you here. My my main role, you know, I'm basically the only person that was allowed is allowed to speak because everybody else was on an NDA. Now those NDAs are probably worthless now, right? Yeah, they because probably are. Yeah. <laughs> it was associated with their equity grant, right? Yeah, well, which maybe, is maybe. now completely worthless. But I I think that I can speak without any legal repercussions whatsoever, and so oh, I, I I'm doubt, taking I doubt this opportunity now. Uh, and you know the one thing I the one thing I do want to say is, you know, the story broke in 2008. The statute of limitations ends this year, and if no one's prosecuted for this, it's not because I didn't speak up. Okay, so I, I, that's all I got. So all right, well, thank thank you, Jack. I always like, like having you on here, and uh, glad you're part of the site now. Have a good one. Thank all you right. for what you do. Thank you. So Jack Bates, programmer, original programmer of UB, and uh, if anybody has further questions for him, and keep in mind he did leave there at the end of 2003, so he he was gone long before a lot of the um, the main cheating took place. I think it had began a little bit before he left, 
but uh, you know, so he de- he definitely doesn't have all the answers, but uh, uh, he does have insight on a lot of things, as you've been able to hear. And uh, I imagine that Travis will probably be releasing more as time passes. So probably uh, have Jack back on to give his opinion on that stuff. All right, uh, let's move away from UB. We spent a lot of time on that this uh, this show. Let's move on to, uh, let's see, our last topic. And then we will shut down the show for the evening. Lock poker. Seems like I've got something to say about lock poker every week. And it's not because I'm obsessed with them. It's just because they keep doing things over and over and over again. Actually, I got two, sorry, I got two topics, both related to lock poker. Lock poker and the ISPT. Let's talk about the ISPT first And we'll finish off with Lock Poker Uh, Lock is very much uh, trying to promote the ISPT What is the ISPT? The International Stadium Poker Tour And uh, This was something That was Introduced last year In June That was to take place a year from then In June 2013 It was supposed to be A stadium poker event 30,000 people playing in a poker tournament live to compare the largest live poker tournament I know of that's ever taken place was the World Series of Poker in 2006 with I believe 8,700 people Uh, last few years the World Series has had 6,000, 7,000 something people the main event we're talking about imagine 30,000? well they weren't going to have 30,000 people spread out at poker tables everywhere in a stadium. There wouldn't be room for that. Most of a stadium, as you know, is seats. What they were going to do is for the day one of the event have people sitting in laptops in Wembley Stadium in London, England. Everybody sitting there with their own laptop playing live in the tournament. And then the people who move on from day one to day two, which is only supposed to be like 10% of the people, uh, then they would play regular live poker in the stadium. Uh, a lot of people looked at this and thought the whole thing was a fail idea. Uh, one of the dumb things right off the bat was that Wembley Stadium is not a dome stadium, and England gets a fair amount of rain no matter what time of year it is. And if it rained, <laughs> what do you do? Uh, also, I don't know how you'd plug in your laptop. That's another good question. I don't think they have plugs at every seat. But even if they got that fixed somehow, with like power strips <laughs> all over the place, uh, what if it rains? What do you do? They didn't cover that contingency. And the, the website was very unprofessional looking. You remember when uh, Mason Malmuth said uh, that NeverWinPoker.com was a sick enterprise with degenerates participating? Well, I guess the ISPT must have been fans of his because their website had a lot of misspellings on there, including something that says, click here to participate. P-A-T. Instead of participate, it was participate. And they talked about something coming soon with two M's, C-O-M-M-I-N-G. So, very unprofessional website, not something you'd expect for something that's supposed to be so huge. So that was already looking unprofessional, and like this whole thing was going to be a huge mess. And, and the whole thing just didn't seem to be well thought out. Well, big surprise, it's having all kinds of problems. We're only in February. We're not even near the uh, the date of June when it's supposed to take place. Interestingly enough, conflicting with the World Series of Poker, at least the preliminary events there. But uh, let me uh, give you a rundown of what's been happening. Uh, 
after they announced this in June 2012, uh, in July 2012, uh, one of the co-founders of it, uh, his name is Prosper Masquillier. Prosper is his first name, kind of a funny first name. Uh, I believe he's a Frenchman. Uh, he said that it had a 20 million euro guarantee. Can you imagine? And a euro is worth more than a dollar. A 20 million euro guarantee. And uh, this was from a German article. And the question was asked of Prosper Masquillier. The ISPT 2013, at the International Stadium Poker Tour, at Wembley Stadium will be the biggest ever live poker tournament. Is the total prize pool of 20 million guaranteed, or is this just an expected prize pool? And Prosper said back, The prize pool is guaranteed for the entire tournament. The video of the press conference confirmed this already. Lauren Tappy, remember him? The uh, guy who was supposed to buy Full Tilt and didn't? Uh, during the press conference at the 3rd uh, at the third September in Kansas uh, during the poker tour, uh, uh, confirmed this in a video. So, I can't get to the video. It's been taken down. Big shocker. But claim that, uh, you know, Lauren Tepe, who was also involved with this uh, ISPT, claimed that it's guaranteed. It's already been covered. And, and uh, Prosper backed this up. Well, guess what? Three months later, in October of 2012... Uh, he was asked about this when it was already seen that there is a lot of fail going on with the ISPT. So they said, yeah, how about the guarantee? Is that going to still happen? And Prosper said back, this is in a poker listings interview, have you seen the words guarantee on the website? Never. I think players don't need a guarantee. They come here to the World Series of Poker Europe and they pay 10,000 euros and they're happy to play. We will see. So he's trying to say, look, everybody shows up for the World Series of Poker Europe. There's no guarantee there, so we don't need one either. Do you see a guarantee in the website? No. Well, then there's no guarantee. So it doesn't, doesn't matter. They both said there was one three months earlier. You know, he and uh, Lauren T- Tappy. <laughs> it's, uh, if there's, there's no language on the website, it doesn't exist, he says. Kind of reminds me of the uh, controversy with the Partouche Poker Tour canceling their guarantee after the fact. At least this poker tournament didn't take place, though, yet. Uh, anyway, uh, a, a lot of fail then occurred. Here's the description from a 2 plus 2 user, which sums it up very well. Uh, this tournament is an absolute joke. It's not even close to what was first advertised. Everything from the whole concept, value, guarantee, dates, structure, blind structure, venue, stack size, payout, tournament type, tournament buy-in, timing, satellites, estimated number of players, advertisement, people involved, etc., etc., have changed practically on a daily basis. That's not even an exaggeration. I mean, they've been changing everything constantly and for the worse and worse because this thing is such a fail. Uh, Other shady stuff happened. Uh, Someone on 2 Plus 2 posted this. Hey, guys, I'm a French player, and I'm a student in a communication school. Prosper Mesquillier and his friend asked me to be a community manager for four months at the ISPT. I said yes, posted on their forum, but had not signed any contract at that point. So I call Prosper, and he tells me, well, we don't need you anymore. What the fuck? You can then consider my previously po- my previous post as non-official. So I guess he he, he uh, recruited some French student in a communication school to be a like forum manager over on the ISPT site, 
And he's been posting on the forum and had no contract, trusted Prosper Mascolier. This is what this kid claims. And finally he said, hey, look, it's been four months. We don't have a contract. Uh, can I have one now? And Prosper's like, oh, uh, yeah, we don't need you anymore. Goodbye. And didn't pay him, just told him to hit the road. <laughs> so I don't know if that's true, but that's what this guy's claiming. And says, uh, my, you know, you can consider all my posts over there non-official now because I was never paid. Uh Tournament's day one, which is supposed to take place with everybody sitting next to each other with laptops in Wembley Stadium. They, they decided to trash that and instead moved it completely online in the month of February 2013. Hey, that's this month, February 2013. So what's going on? Well, uh, they had a day one for the ISPT. Remember, it's supposed to have 30,000 entrants. So so if it lives up to what they were claiming, 30,000 people will be playing online to make day two to go play in the stadium in June. So what's happened so far? Well, they had one day one, a day 1A, which took place on Partouche.fr. Remember I said it reminds me of the Partouche Poker Tour. <laughs> so, uh, on Partouche.fr, a French online poker site associated with the Partouche Poker Tour, they did have a day one. And 10% will move on to day two with a stack that they finished with from online. How many players played on partouche.fr? Day 1A of the ISPT. A whopping 130 players! 13 moved on. So remember the stadium with 30,000 people? Right now it's 13. Not 13,000. Not 1,300. Not even 130. But 13 out of 130 Online players So 13 people are moving on That's all they have right now All they have right now committed to, to be in that stadium Is 13 people Well Lock Poker They were going to save the day They've been heavily promoting the ISPT I've been getting emails from them about it So maybe Lock Poker can save the day Well maybe not On February 17th 2013 Which hasn't taken place yet If you might notice by looking at the calendar It's only February 12th right now Five days from now, there is supposed to be a day one on Lock Poker. How many people did they get? More than 130? Nope. More than 65? Nope. More than 20? Afraid not. Okay, well, how about more than 13? Can't say they did. How about more than three? Again, no. They got two people. <laughs> two people from all of Lock Poker wanted to play for the 17th, this February 17th uh, tournament. So uh, they have postponed it. Already seeing what a fail it was. Seeing that they had two people so far that they better cancel it. Michael Mizraki. Um, actually, I think I have that wrong. I think it, I'm sorry. It, it was a. Uh, you know what? I, I think it got postponed to February 17th. I, th- I think I got that part wrong. I think that it was supposed to be on February 10th, and it got postponed to February 17th because they only got two people. I believe that's what happened. I'm trying to be accurate here. Doesn't really matter though. Uh, let me go to Michael's Ms. Rocky though. They really did only get two people. Though. That part's true. Uh, this is a tweet from ISPT. ISPT Poker, which is the ISPT underscore Poker, which is their Twitter account. 
ISPTU Day 1A and Lock Poker postponed at Sunday, February 17th. I, I thought that's what it meant. It's been posted, yeah, postponed to where it's not going to take place on that day. I guess they mean it's been postponed until that date. Uh, for technical issues. Technical issues. Yeah, I guess they were postponed for technical issues because technically they only got two people interested in playing. Two people! This supposed to be 30,000 people. They got two. Unlock Poker, which is not a small site. Well, who do you think would be a good ambassador for the ISPT? Let's, let's think about pros that have a history of representing fail sites and shady sites. Pros that have made very poor decisions as, as to who they represent. I mean, we could name a lot of people, but there's, there's one that stands out in my mind. A guy that was once an absolute poker pro. A guy that was a pro of some fail site, I forgot even what site it was, that uh, that never got off the ground and they sued him. A pro who was once representing Full Tilt. In fact, wore a Full Tilt hat on the World Series of Poker. A pro who currently represents Lock Poker and doesn't really ever discuss the problems they're having over there. Wouldn't that guy be the perfect ambassador for the ISPT? Yes, of course, Michael Mizraki, the ambassador of fail is the ambassador of the ISPT. I mean, you can't make this up. He really is, though. And he tweeted the wrong date for day 1A on lock. I don't think that's why they only got two people, though. (laughs) But he is currently the ambassador. And they actually have a video on the ISPT webpage of him talking about it and him talking about there being 30,000 people. They still have that up there. They're still uh, in that dream world. Now, maybe you're thinking, let's cut the ISPT some slack. I mean, maybe they just dreamed big and now are having to come to grips with the fact that their idea did not come to fruition. Maybe we can't blame them. Maybe they're not shady. They're just not good at their job. Well, maybe not. They are shady. This was on the ISPT webpage moments before our show started, and I'm sure it's still up there. ISPT is the biggest poker event ever organized. Mixing online and live gaming. I mean, it's a lie right there. It's not. Would you say two people would make the biggest event ever? What's what's a smaller event than that? One person? The main event is starting online in February 2013 and continuing live in June 2013 and the Stadium of Wembley, London. The most innovative poker tournament ever will take place in a prestigious environment gathering thousands of players and broadcasting live in more than 38 countries. I mean, that's, that's not true. There's not going to be thousands of people live. I, they'll, they'll be lucky if they have 100 players live the way this is going. Uh, right now they have 13. So this is currently on their page. They're not even toning it down. So they're, they're trying to get people to sign up under false pretenses. Here's a current banner. A current banner ad they're running. ISPT free roll. 25 seats to the world's largest poker tournament this Saturday, 9 a.m. It's not the world's largest poker tournament. That's the World Series of Poker. It's not even close. It's not like they're close to the world's largest and they're just claiming that. They're, they're, they've got 13 people. Two signing up for the lock satellite to it. I mean, come on. Not even satellite. Day 1A. Now, uh... Lock Poker has been heavily promoting the ISPT, as I mentioned, but uh, they've got their own problems right now that are much bigger than promoting a failed tournament. And that's what we're going to close out the show with. Lock Poker, I think, is broke. I think Lock Poker really has just about no more money. I think very soon we're going to find out that Lock Poker 
is another full tilt is another UB maybe without the whole card cheating because if you remember those two sites blew all the money that was on deposit and could not pay anyone except we didn't know that till Black Friday a lot of people wrongly think that Black Friday caused UB to be broke and caused full tilt to be broke no they blew all the money before Black Friday we just didn't know it until Black Friday exposed it Black Friday pulled the wool away from our eyes where we could see the truth about where our money was on those sites. The only site that really still had our money was PokerStars. So what's going on at Lock Poker? Well, as we've discussed on previous shows, Lock Poker has not been paying their players. Now, of course, the U.S. players, that can be said, they're just having payment processor issues. It's very hard to find payment processors these days for U.S. players because it's the, the DOJ goes after these processors and busts them. So maybe that's the reason. No, that's not the reason. Um, here are the cash out times people are experiencing right now. About four months to get a check, about two months to get Western Union, and about two months for non US players to get paid. Now that's the biggest problem. Non US players, there are not these payment processor issues. They should be able to do this instantaneously as PokerStars does. They should be able to play to pay rest of the world players very, very quickly. The fact that they're taking two months shows that they just don't have the money to pay. There's just no other reason for that. But you say, wait a minute, Todd, you've talked about this before. This is old news. We don't need to hear this again. Well, here's some new news. Lock Poker has decided to segregate their middle and high limit games. What do I mean by segregate? Well, they took all the games above 1 2 no limit and separated them from the rest of the network. If you remember, Lock is part of a network called Revolution Gaming. They bought it from Cake. They basically bought the Cake Poker network and it's now they own it called Revolution Gaming. All the other sites on Revolution are considered skins. Lock is the flag the flagship site. The rest are skins. Inner Tops, Juicy Steaks, which is the former cake, and other ones. They feed into Revolution Gaming. You all sit at the same table together, but you may be on different sites. You know, the, the typical skin model. Well, the way it works with these skins is that the flagship skin kind of handles all the money. And, uh, you know, so this way if a player on one site loses to someone on another, they handle making it right between the various skins. Well, what Locke has done is they've separated all the games above 1-2 to where you can only play against other Locke players. Now, why is that significant? It's significant because when you lose money on Locke Poker to someone who's on, like, inner tops at the same table as you, Locke has to make it right by paying Intertops. Because Intertops then has to pay out their players when they cash out, and Intertops has been pretty good with the cash outs, by the way. So, if somebody on Intertops beats a Locke player, and then hits the cash out button on Intertops, Intertops has to get the money from somewhere. They have to get it from Locke, because it was their player that lost the money. So, Locke owes money to the skins every time a lock player loses to someone on one of the other skins. So, 
Locke can't just tell these skins, hey, you know, wait four months to get paid. You know, you can pay out your players now, but you've got to wait for us to pay you for four months. They, that, that won't fly. These skins won't be able to afford that. So um, by Locke isolating themselves at all but the low-limit games, what they're doing is preventing the other skins, players in the other skins, from beating Locke players, and they're preventing themselves from having to owe money immediately to these other skins. So this way, there's no way they have to pay Intertops every month. Because, uh, anyways, this is real money we're talking about here. If Locke is broke, let's assume for the moment Locke is broke. Every time a month passes by where Intertops players beat the Locke players overall, then Locke owes them money right now. So Locke has probably decided they can't have this anymore. They can't take this risk anymore. Maybe they've found that their players are actually losing overall compared to the players of the other skins. So while they can stall their own players, because it doesn't matter what, what it shows your balances on Locke Poker. It could show you have a million dollars on Locke Poker. As long as Locke Poker doesn't actually have to pay you at the moment, it doesn't matter what number it shows, and it doesn't matter how long you sit there with other Locke players playing against them as long as nobody can cash out. Uh, for example, I could start a poker site, spot everybody a million dollars on the poker site, and let you guys all play all day and all night against each other. And as long as I never actually let you cash out, I could easily do this even if I don't have a penny to my name. So if Locke has skins involved, they can't do this. Then they have to pay the skins whenever people in the skins win money. So this is very much indicative that Locke does not have the money to pay the skins, so therefore they've just isolated everybody except for the low-limit players to play against each other. So this way it's just Locke people trading money back and forth, and if, if the cash-outs are so delayed right now, then they don't have to worry about paying them for at least four months. If then. So this is even more of a sign that Locke is out of money. Now, what is Locke's explanation for this? How could they possibly explain why they would do this? Because if you think about it, if you isolate Locke's players at everything above 1, 2, no limit, all you're doing is killing games. All you're doing is making it to where there's less action on the network. Why would Locke, who owns the Revolution Gaming Network, want less action there? Wouldn't they want more action? Wouldn't they want more games going? Wouldn't there be a higher chance of more games going if you have a bigger player pool, which is achieved by combining the various skins together? Well, here's their explanation. This comes from I'm Just Shane, who's this uppity, obnoxious representative they have on 2 Plus 2. He wrote, We offer all the same stakes as everyone on the network, but we have partitioned some of our higher stakes based on current size and soft poker ecology for a better care of our players. So someone said, wait a minute, poker ecology, what the hell are you talking about? And he said, a healthy poker ecology is a combination of grinder-type players who always ensure there's action, as well as a casual-type player who bring fresh deposits in. (laughs) So what he's trying to say here is that the average player on lock isn't very good. The average player on lock kind of sucks. So we had to separate these tables. We had to segregate here. So this way, the money from the fish on lock poker 
goes to the good players on Lock Poker and doesn't go to the good players on other skins. We're we're doing this to help you guys unlock, to let you have the fish for yourselves and not have to share them with the inner tops players and the players on other skins. So we're doing you a favor. That's what he means by soft poker ecology. He's trying to say that uh, uh, the average player on lock is a soft player, a lousy player, and you know we want to let our own players beat them. That's BS. That's absolute BS. That, that was the only excuse he could come up with for why they'd be doing something that otherwise would be hurting the network, that otherwise would be killing action, otherwise be offering fewer games. The real reason is they're broke. And you'll be finding this out. You'll be finding out when the four-month cash-out times become six months, become eight months, and then become indefinite. They're in big trouble over there. They can't pay rest of the world players. And now they are not letting anyone except the low-stakes players play against players of other skins because they probably can't pay the skins right now. They probably cannot afford to pay Intertops or any of the other skins if their players end up beating the lock players. And if I am lock poker, and if I am broke, if I have very little cash to operate with, this is what I would have to do to survive. Delay the cash outs for a very long time, including rest of the world players, and separate those skins off the network because the skins need the money immediately. And if I'm broke, I can't pay immediately. I don't think Locke is trying to scam people in the sense that uh, they never intend to pay. But I think Locke is greatly misrepresenting their situation, much like Full Tilt did until they got busted. I think Locke probably has just about no money. I think they they, they don't have the money that they show for the players on deposit. And I believe they're hoping that maybe through deposits that they get the, quote, fresh deposits that Shane referred to, that if they get enough of those and they can stall cash outs long enough, that maybe they can write the ship. And that they can only write the ship if you don't have these pesky skins like Intertops taking money out of their cash reserves. Of course, it's not Intertops' fault. It's Locke's fault for blowing all the money. Because if they kept all the money separate, you want to talk about segregation, they need to segregate the player funds. They need to make sure that the money that players put on deposit with Lock Poker does not get spent elsewhere. And I bet it has. I bet most or all of it has. Because if you have all that player money, then it's no problem to send that player money over to Intertops or anywhere else when those players win. So you're going to see some very bad news about Lock Poker pretty soon. That's my prediction. Grenada Rogers asking in chat, where'd the money go? I have no idea. Locke also has a million pros. They remind me a lot of Full Tilt. Kind of a Full Tilt UB hybrid. Just doing a lot of shady things and having a million pros seeming to care more about image and marketing than operations and being fair and running the company properly. And like Full Tilt and UB, probably don't have the money that's on deposit. In fact, I'd be shocked. I'd be absolutely shocked 
if they had the money on deposit or even most of the money on deposit. I think they're almost broke. Because what they're doing here is segregating the games. That's just hurting their network. You don't hurt your own network on purpose unless there's a reason for it. And I think we know the reason. Well, what I also think we know is that the show's been going on for more than three and a half hours. And I've gotten through the agenda. I'd like to thank Jack Bates, original UB programmer, for coming on and uh, giving us some more insight as to what's been going on in UB, what did go on there, and who he thinks isn't guilty. Maybe next week we'll have Travis McCarr on, maybe not. But I will start a dialogue with him over the next week or so, and we'll see what happens. I have his phone number now. Maybe we'll have Brandon back next week. You never know. If we don't, I'll try to scare up a co-host to join me. So I'm not forced to do everything all by myself. But thank you, loyal listener, for sticking by my side and listening to this show week in, week out. Or occasionally, whenever you feel like listening. I'm happy to have all listeners, whether regular or occasional. We will be back next Tuesday, February 19th. As we've been sticking to our Tuesday schedule at 7 p.m. Pacific for the most part. And we'll be back with at least another $50 for our free roll. And uh, congratulations to whoever managed to win tonight. I don't have that window up, but uh, we pay out every week. PayPal, whatever other way you want the money. Real money here from PokerFraudAlert.com and no risk. Can't have much of a better situation than that. And uh, I don't even know what to say. I've been speaking now for three and a half hours straight and I don't know what to say anymore. But... uh, (laughs) I'm really at a loss for words now. Thank you, everybody in the chat room, especially Rolo Tomasi, who uh, threw up some good questions and some good answers to the UB-related stuff. He's very knowledgeable in that stuff. But we will be back next week. This will be in the archives if you missed any part of it. Stitcher and iTunes and our own site's archives. Sorry, archives. We're here every week. We still will be for the foreseeable future. And Shalom. Shalom.